When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This morning came the dreadfully sad news as Tottenham confirmed the passing of our legendary striker, Jimmy Greaves, on a day where appropriately we would be playing his first club, Chelsea. Unfortunately, I never saw Jimmy play, but I grew up hearing the names of Blanchflower, Jones, White, Mackay, and more than any other, Jimmy Greaves, who was my dad's idol. Even today, every striker he compares unfavourably to Jimmy. Jimmy could have joined us in 1955, but an illness to the late great Arthur Rowe saw him slip through the club's fingers and allowed him to join Chelsea, and it was for them that he made his league debut against Tottenham at White Hart Lane in August 1957. Jimmy that day did what he always did on debut, scored, as Chelsea and Tottenham played out a 1-1 draw on the opening day of the season. He scored 132 goals for Chelsea in just 169 games before he left to join AC Milan. His stay in Italy was brief before Bill Nicholson signed him for a record fee of £99,999, avoiding the tag of being the first £100,000 footballer. Jimmy's first appearance for us was in a reserve game at Plymouth on the 9th of December 1961, where a crowd of just under 13,000 turned up. A week later, at White Hart Lane, came his senior debut, as he scored a hat-trick in a 5-2 win against Blackpool. Jimmy scored the opening goal in our 1962 FA Cup final win against Burnley and twice in our 1963 European Cup Winners' Cup win as we beat Atletico Madrid 5-1 to become the first British club ever to lift a European trophy. Jimmy also started our 1967 FA Cup final win against Chelsea. Jimmy's style was far removed from that of the modern-day striker. Preferring not to track back and close the opposition down, Jimmy would drift around looking for the space to exploit and then show that incredible composure and accuracy that saw him score 266 goals in 380 appearances for Tottenham, a figure that's still unbeaten. 
Whilst with Spurs, Jimmy made 42 of his 57 England appearances, scoring 28 of his 44 international goals and saw him play the group stages of England's 1966 World Cup win before injury cruelly robbed him of his place in the latter rounds. Medals in those days were only given to those who played in the final and so it was not until FIFA's rule change in 2009 that Jimmy finally got his beloved and deserved World Cup winner's medal. Jimmy left the club reluctantly to join West Ham in March 1970, but his love of football faded and he sadly slipped into a battle which he eventually won with alcoholism. Many of us who didn't see him play got to know Jimmy as a TV personality when ITV launched the Saint and Greavesy show in 1985 and he won over a new generation of fans with his humour and personality as a football pundit in a show that changed the style of which football was covered and Jimmy introduced his famous It's a Funny Old Game catchphrase. Jimmy's astonishing goal-scoring record of 366 top-flight league goals remained a record in Europe's top five leagues until the 2016-70 season when it was finally surpassed by Cristiano Ronaldo. Jimmy had his differences with the club, refusing to join its Hall of Fame for a number of years, but those difficulties were finally settled and he would rightly take his place on May 13th, 2015. But sadly, just 10 days before that night, Jimmy suffered the first of his strokes. Jimmy was finally made an MBE in the 2020 honours list, but many of us feel that this was too little and too late for his achievements within the game and outside the game. I'm sure BT will repeat their greasy documentary, which shows the story of Jimmy. If they do, make sure you watch it. It's a fantastic watch. I hope today we see goals from both Harry Kane and Romelu Lukaku, obviously more for Spurs, but it would be a fitting tribute to his incredible goal-scoring exploits for both clubs if both of those strikers could score. The word legend is simply thrown around these days, but the real meaning of the word definitely applies to Jimmy. Rest in peace, Jimmy. Your meaning to Tottenham Hotspur will never fade. Welcome to the last word on Spurs, completely <laughs> unedited, uneducated, and uh, where this next hour is going to go, I don't know, but uh, thank you for listening to the last word on Spurs, thank you for joining us. If you're listening to us for the very first time, you can find us on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on Audio Boom, we're across a range of different social media platforms. We're of course on Twitter, at last word on Spurs, we're on Facebook and Instagram too. And for better, for worse, we're also live on YouTube, where, like I say, you've got absolutely no chance to get things wrong. You've just seen in the last 30 seconds in front of a live panel and live audience, too. So thank you so much for joining us. I'm delighted to have back alongside me. The man who probably knows how this has done a lot better than me, who did a great job whilst I was away. And my God, I wish he was taking over now again for the next year and a half. Or can you do the next 10 years, Rich? <laughs> I've, got, <laughs> I've got the wonderful Richard Crackner joining me. Rich, how are you keeping? 
Yeah, very well, Ricky. Evening to you. Uh, evening, everybody watching in and listening in. Evening to uh, Ricky Clark and uh, Paul Newman as well. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of Sunday evening therapy. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into everything and uh, put the worlds to rights over the next hour or so, Rick. We'll definitely try to. I mean, it's, it's, whatever happens, I promise you, this podcast will be definitely better than this opening entrance. I promise you that. So uh, don't worry. The admin fee's not been used up quite yet. But um, first up, delighted to welcome actually a friend to the show. He's been listening for a very long time. So pleased to finally get him on to make his debut. We've got the brilliant Daily Mail correspondent, the great Paul Newman joins us. Paul, how are you? How's the family? And Paul, at the moment, we're just trying to the mute button. Paul, how are you? Sorry, Rick, I'm using my daughter's computer for uh, technical reasons, so uh, apologies that's, for that. That's I'll my excuse as well, Paul, for that beginning. I'll leave it off mute as well. No, thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm a big fan of the show, big fan of you and Crackers, and it's uh, great to be on with Ricky as well, whose uh, career I follow very closely over the last however many years it's been, and he's just um, he's just retiring, so it's a, it's a big time for Ricky as well, and any man named after Ricky Villa is good enough for me, so um, yeah. really, good, really good to be here, and um, wish it was after a win, but we'll... We'll try and be as positive as we can, and we'll try and keep some perspective. Well, such is the plight of things. I had to go and get another Ricky because this Ricky ain't doing that well at the moment. So um, we've got to got a top Ricky in charge. To be honest, who could really be taking over the way it's going over here. Um, so delighted to welcome the Essex-born pro cricketer for Surrey cricket. We've got the brilliant Ricky Clark joining us. Rick, how are you? Yeah, very good. Uh, thanks, Rick. Rick and Rick. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on uh, again. Fan of the show and uh, follow us up on Twitter. Um, so, like the guys have said, hopefully we can uh, be mm-hmm. positive after that yeah. dismal uh, result. Yeah, I mean, I am totally aware that the um, the comments are already going ballistic. So, um, I promise you, Chelsea is coming. But um, I think first, out of just mutual respect, we have to start. I mean, if you heard the intro there from one of our own, Jason McGovern, you would have heard there of his thoughts of the really sad passing to the late and great Jimmy Greaves, who unfortunately we lost this morning. And, you know, we have to say that, for us as Spurs fan, not just Tottenham Hotspur's record goal scorer, but almost the finest marksman the country has quite ever seen. You know, Jimmy passed away at home in the early hours of this morning, um, aged 81. And throughout his wonderful playing career, Jimmy's strike rate, strike rate although I wasn't alive to see it, I know is from my dad, bless him, telling me all the time, was quite phenomenal. His Spurs return, 266 goals in 379 appearances between 1961 to 1970. 220 goals in 321 league games. 32 of those goals in 36 FA Cup ties. Five in just eight league cup ties and nine in just 14 European matches. Um, a man that is a big, big loss to the whole of the Spurs community. Rich, if it was only appropriate to start with you, um, Rich, you're so connected and really well connected to, obviously, Spurs legends. And when you do these legends nights, and I'm sure mm. Jimmy's name comes up so often. Um, can you put into words just how big a loss this is to the Spurs community? Oh, it's, it, it's, a, it's a massive loss. And, um, you know, when I started doing the legends night some 10, 12 years ago now, uh, Jimmy was still filling theatres to do nights. So I never really got a chance to work with him because I sort of I work in a sort of tier below that in the working men's clubs and hotels and things and uh, yeah so I mean he, he was he was huge he'd, he'd pack out theatres on nights uh, alongside other legends of the game um, but then of course 
these things develop and evolve and not so many people were coming to see him because he'd done so many theater nights. So he was looking to start to do some more low level, some more intimate evenings, if you like. And I was two weeks away from doing some nights with Jimmy when he very sadly had the stroke. And I was absolutely gutted, Rick, that I never got the chance to actually work with him. And uh, yeah, it was, it, it was tough. And um you know, we've got a couple of weeks, in a couple of weeks' times, a uh, couple of weeks' time, there's a, a, a fundraiser coming up in Dublin for him to help with his nursing care and everything. And, and, and again, and then today's news comes through. So that's still going to go ahead. I'll give you some details a bit later on that because he's got obviously got the Jimmy Greaves uh, Foundation. So we're going to be looking to raise some money toward, towards that. So firstly, I mean, you know, it's massive condolences to uh, Danny, his son and all, all the family. Um, yeah, it's a huge loss. N- never mind Jimmy the footballer. He's a man that, you know, wife and kids and family and everything. So away from the football, there's a family grieving the loss uh, of, a, of a big family member. And then you come to the wider family, you know, people like Stevie Perriman, I texted him earlier and said, you know, so sorry for your loss because he was a friend to Steve, not, not a footballing, um, on a footballing level. He was a friend, you know, it doesn't matter if you, you a couple of plumbers at work together or a couple of electricians or a couple of sheet metal workers. These people make friendships, whether it's football you know, she metal working or anything, you know. So, and you could see Stevie today um, when they was all lined up on the edge of the pitch, uh, and you could you could just see how gutted he was. They were they were great great friends, and I just said to him, "I'm really sorry for the loss of a of a, of a great friend." Um, I, I I just missed his career, Jimmy. I was born in '69. I started going over to Spurs in '76. So I missed his Tottenham career. I really missed his career. I didn't sort of see much of it at all. But so like you, Rick, I go to my dad and I say to him, tell me about Jimmy Greaves. Now, my my dad's quite famous on this show for getting players' names wrong and everything. And my dad can be a bit of a curmudgeon old sod over things. I remember the last day of the lane when we walked out, my dad says to me, well, thank Christ that place has gone. It's brought me nothing but misery down the years. And oh I'm looking God. forward to the new stadium. So, I mean, that's a, that's a waxy peed heart my dad can be o- over mm. football. Yeah. But you speak to my dad about Jimmy Greaves. Oh, he like he miss over. His eyes miss over and he goes, oh, let me tell you, son, I saw him one day and away he goes. And he tells you these stories about Jimmy Greaves' goals and the way he played. And, I mean, you know, I, I, I really, really honestly wish I'd have seen him playing. You know, this was at a time when footballs were like 50 pounds in weight because they held water, playing on mud pitches. And you, you get to watch a bit of YouTube of him now. And he just looks so elegant. He just looks so graceful. He never smacked the ball. He just passes it into the goal, passes it in, passes it in. And you look at his record, a hat-trick against this, uh, four goals against them, hat-trick here, hat-trick there, hat-trick there. It's just absolutely off the scale, his, his stats as a footballer. 
So it's a it's a huge lot, not 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 a huge loss, not just to Spurs, but to football. He really, really was the striker yeah. striker, you know. So yeah. um yeah, it's 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 a great loss and you know a great tragedy for his family. But on from that, Rick, you have to celebrate lives. We yep. we we're all going to go one day. Me, you, Paul, Ricky, and everybody mm. watching here tonight and listening tonight, we're yep. all going to go. The great Jim Morrison once said, "No one here gets out alive." So we're all going one day. What a life! What a mm. life, you well, know, to, yeah. to, have, to have done what he'd done and be such a legend yeah. in, in the industry he worked in. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a great loss, but don't forget to celebrate such a great life too. Amen. Um, Amen. I'm just to follow on from that. I mean, Paul will come around to you because I must add, you know, uh, 37 league goals that he netted in that 1962-63 season remains to this day our record by any player in a single season. He was a member, of course, of the England's 1966 World Cup winning squad. Jimmy also scored 44 goals in his 57 senior international appearances with 42 of those caps and 28 goals while being a Spurs player. Joe was phenomenal, Paul. You know, when you read these stats, just his record is just quite phenomenal. And you actually compare it to the modern day, there's very few players. And I know there's like Ronaldo and Messi, of course, are up there. Kane, may I say, as well. It just shows you just... The incredible player that he was. And I'm just glad that, you know, I feel almost in my role here, I feel kind of unqualified to talk about Jimmy because I wasn't around to see him. And like I say, it's been passed down from my dad to me, just how special this player was. I would have just been enough to have seen what a wonderful player. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I, sadly, I'm not quite old enough uh, either to have seen him. I know I look it, but um, I, I saw my first game in 73. Um, and of course, he left in, in 70. But Again, like like you've just said, and like Crackers just said, you you learn it off your parents. My dad owned uh, ran a a, a shop on Tottenham High Road when I was a kid, just around from the uh, corner pin, uh, and the, all the players used to go in in those days. So I've got these sort of hazy memories of seeing seeing the Spurs players, you know, popping in for their their cigarettes and their chocolate and whatever in my dad's newsagent. Um, but I never saw him play, sadly. But I've seen all the clips, uh, and he was the greatest, wasn't he? Um, not just for Spurs, but you know, there's an argument to be said he was the greatest finisher of all time in any in any football and and as crackers just uh, mentioned there um you're talking about heavy heavy pitches you're talking about defenders who could virtually assault forwards couldn't they let alone just tackle them um and and the heavy footballs and you see the clips some of the clips they showed today at, at half time at the stadium you know you, it wasn't cuz i've always thought he passed the ball into the back of the net that's what bill nick used to say wasn't it you know you you always think of that but he scored some belters as well didn't he, he scored some goals from outside the box he scored some volleys mm-hmm. um and there was just Never be another. And then, of course, he had his well-documented problems with with uh, alcohol, but he hit back to become, you know, a, a, an absolute um, seminal broadcaster. He was just so important. When I was um, I was at 16 during the 82 World Cup, and I remember him broadcasting there. I think he was part of the ITV panel for the 82 World Cup. And that was the first time I was aware of him. I think Gary Newbott had brought him into television. And then, of course, he went on with the Saint and Greavesy, and it was just a staple for people of my age. I'm a bit older than you guys, but it was just an absolute staple in the 80s and, and beyond there. Um, so he carved out this second career from uh, from problems, really, from 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 difficulties. He carved out this amazing second career, um, and he's just an absolutely legendary figure. And I thought the club did it well today. I was so pleased that Paul Coit was um, on Saint hand to do the, do the ceremonies yeah. at halftime. I think yeah. it's one of the absolute... Um, injustices of this season that Coit has been replaced. I, I still can't quite get to the bottom of why it is. And as a as a journalist, I'm, I should be trying to get to the bottom of the story, shouldn't I? But I think it's absolute 
Treasure, nothing against the young lad who seems to be doing it, but mm. why is it not Coity? He's just different class. He's, he's almost Paul, that. isn't he? He's just almost part of the furniture there, isn't it? It's almost is, like you feel you feel that also. Paul bless him. Coity's given us so many memories of being in that stadium at certain points at half time. We've given us the scores. What I would say, he got a wonderful reception today at half time. A Didn't wonderful reception. It was and it was brilliant to see that. And um, I totally agree. I think you said there on Jimmy, Jimmy, I echo those thoughts. And Rick, coming around to you, you know, it's funny because although we had just won a double, there's no question we go back in that time that Jimmy's arrival in N17 made us an even better team at that point. I think it's quite poignant that really Jimmy's passing is on the day in which his two favourite clubs sign off against each other in terms of uh, Spurs and Chelsea. They come together before the game, as Paul picked up on there. We had the likes of Martin Chivers, Stevie Perryman, Mickey Hazard, Paul Allen, Ozzy Az- Adelius, Gary Mabbott, Ledley King, Michael Dawson and Graham Roberts all lined up to pay their respects to Jimmy. We've also Glenn Hoddle walking around the stadium. So in a way, Ricky, it was actually really nice to see all those legends coming together in what has been a real sad day for the football club in general. Oh, 100%. I think if you look at it, it's just a credit to what Jimmy Greaves was as a person. Um, again, I, I was too young to to see him, see him play, but obviously, like like you guys as well, I've seen the clips. Um, and I think sometimes the word legend gets branded around quite easily. But undoubtedly, I think if, if you see the tributes today um, about Jimmy, I think legend is, is very fitting for him. Um, incredible record, as you said. Um, someone who I think was more like a people's person. Everyone could relate to him. And I think, you know, that that's so pleasing and fitting and um, obviously a, a great loss for, for all involved. Yep. Well, guys, it is that time. Before we do, like I say, our thoughts and condolences, everybody here at the last one on Spurs, we send our thoughts to obviously Jimmy and his family and, you know, we just hope, um, yeah, like I say, they're given the privacy they deserve and Jimmy will always be known as a legend around the football club. Right, guys, it's that time. <laughs> it's that time where, realistically, I don't want to do this, but we are going to have to do it. I've uh, had to come back from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and when I say I've rushed back, quite literally, um, it's just been a whirlwind of a of a 90 minutes. I've got to say, I had actually the, the pleasure of sitting next to um, Jamie Brown from the Daily Hotspur and John from Lily White Rose. And, you know, it was actually nice being with those guys. Um, but <laughs> we were just so, so disappointed. Um, Joe, Rich, let's come to you to start because it's so difficult to react like this. I mean, we obviously, we as a show, we react straight off off the back of games. And, you know, for some people, they absolutely love that. For some people, sometimes taking 24 hours just to kind of reflect on what's happened is also maybe an approach to go by. But, you know, we pride ourselves on trying to be out there first with the content. So, um, Rich, the way I saw it for me was it, it was decent first half from Spurs. I mean, as we've always known, and Jason, I know he's listening and watching wherever he is, and Dombele could be so good if he could last 90 minutes. But Chelsea, they made that sub in Conte, changed the shape, and that won the game for them within 10 minutes, quite frankly. And, you know, the confidence, that disappeared. And Chelsea's really good team just... Yeah, ran away with it towards the end. And Spurs lost all the ability to progress with the ball with LaCelso and Ndombele going off. A massive golfing class. Rich, what did you make of it? And Rich is on mute now, so I can get him back now. And I have to bring him back on. This is always the fun <laughs> part about this show. It's uh, always come back to bite you. Ah, uh, that's it. Hoisted by my own petard. <laughs> you can't really shut him up, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably better off on mute, actually. But... You're you're right there. You mentioned two two players, Undembele and Lacelso, and there you've got a hundred million pounds worth of player. They they don't set their prices, so I don't hold that against them. But Undembele, what a player! What a player for forty five minutes. But a game of football is 90, 95 minutes, 
Lacelso. It looks like there's a player somewhere in now. We just can't seem to get it out of him. And then you look at Chelsea and they bring Kante off the bench after uh, for the second half. They can put him on the bench. This is the difference, Rick. I mean, you know, Kante, if, if the game was still playing now, Kante's still running. And he'll run and he'll run and he'll run and he'll affect a game like just for hours, not 90 minutes. Like, honestly, a game could be three hours long and Kante would still still be running. And that's the difference. So, I mean, where we are as a club, I look at, I sort of break it down into a few areas. Can we win today? Yes, we can, but it's going to be very difficult. So if we don't win, it's not the end of the world because I think whoever finishes above Chelsea wins the league. I actually think they'll win it this season, to be honest. They're a very, very good side. So if you can't beat them, can we uh, actually put in a performance? Yes, we did today. I have to say, we put in a terrific performance in the first 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Come the second half, we failed to cope with the changes they made. And Dembele faded. Lacelso faded. You know, he he lost his man for that second goal. But that's where we are, Rick. So, like, you know, we come Mm -hmm. round to this ever, this circle that we keep coming round to. Where does the problems lie? Yep. You know, is it is it Nuno? No, he's put out a team today that was attacking, that was front foot foot. What was uh, that was to dare is to do. Yeah, he's put that team out there today. I must ask um, you, Rich, on, on that yeah. point, Nuno, because I know there's going to be people screaming and shouting, saying, "But hold on, second half." I made you pick up on there. Chelsea changed the game with Kante. Why didn't Tottenham change the game? And I know um, we are going to get into that because I know in terms of substitutions. The bench was very lightweight, but I know you're going to probably want to make a couple more points, so please go on. Well, there you go. The, the bench was lightweight. So, in 60 mm. minutes, he made mm. two changes. You know, yep. he pulled Lo Celso off. He pulled Dembele off. He put Brian Hill on. Um, and we tried We tried to mix it up a little bit. We tried to change it. But we're just simply not in the same stratosphere at the moment as Chelsea. And it's as simple as that. We, we can't live presently with Man United, with Man City, with Chelsea and with Liverpool. We, we, we just can't. So uh, until something changes or everything changes, nothing changes. The, the current model that the club has got of spending or the owners change, that's it. We are where we are at, at the moment. So we can only do as well as we can do. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? I think today... We're going to come on to it, I promise you. I know yeah, where you're going. It, it, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of forget today because I don't think we can live with them. Next mm. week against the, the, the mob down the road, mm. I think that gives us a little bit of an indication more of where we are. And yeah. midweek in the cup versus Wolves, more of where we are. So, mm. you know, uh, listen, you know, I know there's people that want Enoch out and jumping up and down on the high road over it. And, like, I think I think we all want a change in the model of the way the clubs run. I'm not going to say, like, like others do, they've got to go. 
if they go, fair dues. If somebody like Amazon or Netflix comes in or some state or all barren. It might be the horror channel the way we're going, though, Rich. No, listen, then, 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 then we might I think even do, they might be do things the way it's differently. Going. So all you can ask is the mm. current crop of players to give what everything that they can. And I think yeah. they did today. First so half, that, yeah, that, that's I, fair I, enough, yeah. isn't yeah, it? I mean, that, that, that's fair yeah. enough. I'd say first half, I was so impressed by the way Spurs played that I turned yeah. to me and John and said, you know what? I'm so impressed with how they played. But yeah. I think the, the, the problem was with that for me is that as Spurs fans, we was content with that first half and mm. Thomas Tuchel of Chelsea wasn't. And he made sure that he changed the game in their favour. And we're going to come on to that, of course. Um, Paul, let's come to you because I think it's quite frank to say that second half, we weren't at the races, to be fair. As Rich said there, maybe it's the golfing class, the golfing quality that changed the game. But what looked to be, as I said, there, a very positive first half performance was completely ruined by a shambolic second half. And those first three wins in the Premier League and those clean sheets seem to be a real distant memory now. What can you take out of today's game for you, Paul? How did you see it? Well, I'm going to try and keep perspective tonight, Rick. I'm going to try and uh, keep as level as I can on this because I feel, you know, as, as, as Crack has just said there, we're at a place where where we are, in, you know, we're inferior to Chelsea. We're, we're incredibly inferior to Chelsea. And I think that's the reality of the situation. And I think we have to accept that. They're not only the European champions. I think they're 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 going to win the league this year. I think you know, as, as Craig has just said, whoever finishes above them wins the league. I think they're better than the City from what I've seen. I think Thomas Tuchel has done a tremendous job, and as much as it pains me, I think they're a tremendous side. I thought the first half was excellent. I thought I was surprised how uh, you know that that team basically. I don't think that team would find a disagreement with any Spurs fan. That was the team we would all like to see on the field. But I think. You know, the bottom line also is that the international break was an absolute catastrophe for us. And that has really put us back. We made such a good start before the international break and then everything has gone wrong. And I think it's it left Nuno with a really bad hand. And I just thought at half time, even at half time, I, I wasn't getting too carried away because I thought I can just see us running out of steam here. They've got such a good bench. We had nobody who could come off the bench to make an impact other than Brian Hill. And we know he's still pretty raw. I just couldn't see... Uh, I couldn't see how Nuno could respond to Conte changing the game, to be honest. I think he did change the game. Obviously, he did. But then the real annoying factor for me is that we've, we've, we've gone down to a goal from a set piece. And I, and I was at the game, so I haven't seen any replays yet. I don't know who who lost Thiago Silva. There's a suggestion it was Le Chelsea. There's a suggestion it was Delhi. But we can, you know, we're playing Delhi a really Delhi and Dyer. We're playing a really good team and we, we, mm. we can see by corner. That's really frustrating. And then the second one seems to be a freak deflection. By the time the yep. third one goes in, our heads are down. We're completely yeah. knackered, yeah. Um, and I also think we're still there's still a legacy there of Mourinho. I don't like to bring up his name, but mm. we were really unfit under Mourinho, and I, and I think I don't think we're fit enough yet. The international yeah, break has put us back further, so yeah. I'm trying to keep perspective. I thought that first half was very encouraging. I mm. think we do have to appreciate that we're a long, long way away from Chelsea. And as as Craig has just said, you know the best we can hope for this year, I think, is fifth, um, yeah. and, and that's what we've got to just bear in mind. We're at the start of this painful rebuild. That, yeah. that warned us about all those years ago. Well, I tell you what, Paul. You know, if someone tell me how long this rebuild is going to last, you know, okay, keep saying it's painful. When does it? When does it actually not get painful? This is. This is well, I mean, this is I soul mean, destroying. I think, though, that to be fair, the Paratici's only had one transfer window, hasn't he? And, and, mm, and yep. with the pandemic as well, mm. you know, you can't do everything you want to do in that window. He's bought some promising young players. They're all young with potential. I thought Romero was very good today, actually, and so yep. he. He got very tired late on. You know, they've, they've spent the last 10 days in Croatia, haven't they? They haven't trained yeah. with the team. It's, it's such a bad preparation, you know, whoever's thought that was. 
But mm. I, I think the big thing from the window, and as ever with Spurs, we were one decent player short of making it the perfect window, weren't we? If we brought in a good creative player or a backup striker, you know, we'd have been very happy. How and as ever times, with Spurs, yeah. We say how it every times, time. How many times, Paul, do we say it? How many times? We say it every time. And, yeah. and I, 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 for anybody criticising Nuno, I'd say foot on the ball on that one. You know, he's, he seems mm. an incredibly decent man to me. Yeah. He's yeah. shown today that he can change his tactics from Palace last week when he made a big, big mistake playing three defensive midfielders. And, and I think we've got to give this guy a chance. I really do, because we've and we've got to appreciate as Spurs fans that we're not going to go and beat the likes of Chelsea. You know, three 0 hurts desperately. Three 0 to Palace hurt even more. But yeah. then he was without six players. He lost the seventh player in Dyer. We have a man yeah. sent off. We're probably getting a draw out of that if we don't have a man sent off. But so yeah. I just think foot on the ball with any new no out sort of talk personally. I think what's also hard is when you reflect, I think it's now the third season in a row we've lost at home to Chelsea. I'm always saying those first couple that we had. Um, the lack of fight, the lack of desire, the lack of any kind of cohesion or a plan, that was tough to take. Today in those first 45 minutes, you could see there was something there. There was, there was something that kind of gave us hope and optimism. What concerns me is the way the second half, we capitulated, and we've seen that far too often. Whether it's under Pochettino, uh, whether it's under Jose Mourinho, and now under Nuno, you know, someone's got to sort that. And, you know, as players, you know, I think players have to take a huge amount of responsibility, I've got to be honest with you. And, you know, Rick, I think one of the things I want to ask you is, you know, Many are suggesting that, you know, OK, Chelsea brought on Conte and changed it. But, you know, Nicky says on the screen there, you know, Tuchel is a tactical master, but we never countered his move at all. And um, I think that's an interesting point because the whole point that we do this show is to, like I say, bring people on, give fans a voice and also try and see the different areas. I think it'd be unfair if we didn't look at Nuno's record so far and try and give a judgment. Like Paul says there, I mean, we're not a show that kind of jumps up and down and screams for managers and the balls to go. We look at things rationally. Uh, we try, you know, take a analytical approach to it and if we are going wrong we'll say we're going wrong I think we've always done that as a show so um Rick it was a game of two halves but the second one is a lot more concerning than of course that first one I mean it's yeah like I said it's a second successive 3-0 defeat and now we've got the Arsenal match next week in the Premier League that looks massive and huge for the club we've got a game against Wolves which for me is absolutely crucial we should be taking every cup competition seriously being Tottenham Hotspur Football Club for me it's massive that game at Wolves and they're going to be right up for it we beat them, like I say, um, already this season. They won't want to lose again to us. So, as we said, that Kante switch was crucial. But the most concerning thing for me, Rick, and I'll ask you about this, is that we just never seem to get a sniff in that second half. Is it more than just fitness? Um, no, I think, without it being too cliche, I think Nuno in the first half outfought Tuchel, in my opinion. The, the system we were playing, the high press and, and everything that we wanted to see um, from, from a Spurs side. But then, obviously, Tuchel then changed his second half. And I don't think Nuno was quick enough to realise the dangers. Um, and then the second that obviously, early in the second half, the second that goal goes in, I think, heads dropped. And it was, uh, look, we're out of the game already. Um, so, I think that's that's the frustrating side from that point of view. And it was then the sort of same old story. Um, so, I think, like the guys have said, I think we've got to give Nuno a lot of time. Um, I think realistically we should look at where we would be points wise uh from the first five games and I, I don't think we're too far away from where where we, we we should be points wise um and uh it's obviously crucial that coming up we've got walls in the cup and then um arsenal arsenal next week so i think like cracker said i think that's going to be uh, an indication of where we're at um and, and see how we go from there yeah, I mean, I think the, the other thing, Rich, that you actually picked up on, and it's something that's still concerning me, is the the lack of energy and fight in that second half after the goals went in. Mm. I mean, for me, I don't want to... 
it's so hard because obviously I've just come back from the game. But for me, that's really embarrassing. Joe, you know, for me as players, you know, the minimum in that second half, the minimum you want to see is a real desire, effort. And I just, you know, I, I understand that it can get you down. That second goal is so gut-wrenching. It is, that yeah. deflection yeah. is so, so cruel. But, um, you know, after that such encouraging start to the game, where we are done like that with a second goal, you, you just want to see, you know, the players try and come back into the game and just give us something of hope. You know, I can take losing 3-1, 2-1, you know, if I can see that the players are still believing in the system. But towards the end there, yes, I'm, I'm going to agree with what Paul said. They did look absolutely knackered and it has been a tough week. And we haven't got Mora and we haven't got Bergvine. And some of the players, you know, they've been halfway around the world. But, you know, it's the second week in a row, Rich, that we've lost 3 0 at home. And I think we all know that we're massively far off the big boys. But are, are you comfortable, Rich, with the energy and the desire you're seeing there in the second half? Well, I, I am within the context of the players that we've got. And that's that's all you can look at, Rick. Every time it's that we've not got the players that are able to do it for 90 minutes. So, that yeah, so I was comfortable with what we offered, but just the personnel we have got can't offer you that 90, 95 minutes at the moment. And Dembele, for, for whatever reason, can't give you 90, 95 minutes. Le Kelso can't give you 90, 95 minutes. Kane at the moment. Uh, like, you know, let's call it as it is. I'm glad he stayed, but he but he doesn't want to be there. He just looks like he does not want to be there. He looks like yeah, he's gonna, still... I promise you, Rich, we're going to come on to him. Yeah, I... I, I he touch just it, looks yeah. like he's he's, yeah. he's just not not mm. happy to be there. It looks like yeah. that he's not got his move and, yeah. he's, well, got, and he's got the ump. So well, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the players that we've got, yeah. I, I think that, you know, I see a comment coming up saying, Le Kelso, if you think that he's given his all, um, then, then, then you're nuts. But I do think he's given his all. But if his all's not good enough, like yeah. Ben Davis, Ben Davis' all isn't good enough. Winks, his all isn't good enough. Uh, Doherty, his all isn't good enough to get you up into that top tier. Yeah. So, like, these players, if they're giving you their all... What more can you ask? You know, it's like if you've got kids, if they go and get in D grades in an exam, but they're just not clever enough to come and get A's and B's, you can't ask anymore, can you? It's like, so that's what I'm saying. Chelsea, Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, uh, Man United, I keep banging on about them, Paris, PSG, uh, and, you know, other teams, Bayern Munich, they're all are straight A's. They've got students in their team that yeah. are straight A's. If your so, students are like the top of their game are C grades and giving you C grades, you can't ask anymore. But a mm. C grade doesn't beat an A grade. So then again, the question goes, right, so what are you doing as a club to get you from C grade students to A grade students? Let's yeah. Can we get rid of the C grade students? No, we can't. In the current business model, we can't have those like straight A students across all positions on the field. We've got yeah. one or two, but you need the others to be to be with them. So yeah. that's the problem we've got, Rick, at the moment. You can't mm. ask for any more effort, but until such times as we get 
a business model or owners in that are going to give you A-grade students in defence, midfield and attack, we're going to get C-grades in all the exams we get every week. Mm. Tom thinks you're being too kind with C-grades. So um, we're to, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the way, the way that second half was going, I'd say it was ungradable, but there you go. Um, Paul, let's come around to you because I, I just do want to discuss about Nuno because we had, I mean, I've got to say, guys, thank you so much. We had over 100 comments coming to the last one on Spurs in terms of uh, question statements. We're going to read some of them out very, very shortly. But um, if we're analysing so far, Paul, his start in the Premier League, five games played. I absolutely hate this, but I will read it out. 4.4 XG. I don't know what XG is. I'm still not going to get involved in XG, but it's the lowest in the league. Three goals scored, one goal in open play scored, six goals conceded. Now, I mean, those stats aren't nice reading. And there are some fans that you can understand, Phil, well, you know, is that enough? You know, is that enough? And we all are fully aware that he wasn't the club's first choice in the summer. Um, I think, you know, people will ask how much of that can we actually blame Nuno on? As we've said, the first half shows he got his tactics spot on. Uh, we dominated. We should have been more clinical. And I knew that moment where regular on that first half was through. Had to square it. Had to find a white shirt. Didn't. Um, how much of it is on Nuno for you, Paul? He's obviously, he's getting to know these players now. Um, and, you know, it's funny. I know a friend of mine that actually had him in his barber shop. And he said, I, I wish you luck. And Nuno said, I'm really looking forward to this idea. But hold on. Wait till you work with them. And I just, you know, I do feel for him. I really do feel for him. Um, it's not an easy job. But just how much of it for you, Paul, is it on Nuno at the moment? Well, I think in the summer, I was at my lowest ebb as a Spurs, in 50 years of being a Spurs fan. I think when we were going through that charade of various managers, which reached a nadir with Gattuso, when we flirted with Gattuso, I think, um, I, I, I can never remember feeling any lower. And I, and I saw us relegated in 76, you know, mm. as an 11-year-old. So... Um, I just felt that when he came in, I had very low expectations. People said, what do you think of the new manager? I said, well, I just don't know, really. You know, we know what he did at Wolves. I just, I, I was just so numb with with a lack of expectation that I just thought, well, I, I just don't know what to uh, what to expect, what to expect. Um, but so, but from that, that moment on, when he took over, as we went through pre-season, I started to get what could, could, cautiously optimistic, I suppose, would be the best way to describe it. I just thought he came across as a very decent man. He got the club. Um, yes, there was the question mark over whether he was a pragmatic defensive coach, but we know the story of Paratici, Paratici, sorry, showing um, Levy his football at Valencia and saying, look, he can, he can attack. It depends what he's got at his disposal. And I think he came in thinking, I've got to get them fitter. I've got to get them organised in defence. And he did that in the first three games. He did it, you know, exemplary style. And, and we played very well. You know, beating Man City on the first day was fantastic. Um, I didn't see that game. I was, a, I was at a test match, I think, but I saw the Wolves game. And I was sitting with my son and we thought we desperately need a creative spark, but we're solid, we're fitter. You know, this is a start. But then the international break came along and completely derailed him. I mean, he's had to deal with so much. He had to deal with the Kane saga during the summer. He had to deal with Ndombele not wanting to play. Then, you know, he's got through all that in a very, very dignified way. And then he had the whole charade over the Argentinian players and Sanchez with, uh, you know, two players being arrested mid-pitch and trying to be deported from Brazil. I mean, you know, what on earth? So he's had to deal with all this. And, and I think... You know, it all came back to hit him hard against Crystal Palace. And now, and, and today we're playing the, the Champions of Europe. So I just think, to cut a long story, to cut a long answer short, I think it's too early to judge. I think mm. we can't get a better manager where we are at this point in our history. We cannot get a better... He's a very decent man. I think he's a decent manager. I just think... I know in the present day world, you know, every defeat is a disaster. And I, and I know the stats are not good. But I just think we've got to give him time. Next week is huge. 
Obviously, Wolves is huge. Well, it's, one a, it's, a big week. Paul, it's a big, big week. Paul, it's a big week. It's a huge. Yeah. But I still think you cannot judge Nuno until mm. at least January, in my opinion, even if we lose against Arsenal badly. I just yeah. think you've got to give the bloke time. I don't mm. think we can get a better manager than we've got. I think the club okay. are to blame for that. The board are to blame for that, as as as, as, as Richard said. You know, mm. if, if Amazon come in, if Netflix come in, maybe we're in a different position. But I'm afraid our board yeah. have made some very high-profile mistakes. They've also done some very good things. Mm. But I think we are where we are, and we've yeah. got to give this guy a chance because I think he's a decent man and a decent manager. Mm. Rick, let's come around to you again. I just want to do discuss Nuno because we've had... It's only right, I've had over 100 questions come in, so I just want to pick up on some of the things that people have said. Um, one of them has been that, you know, there, there is a general deficiency of creativity in the side. And, you know, OK, in terms of personnel, that's not been his fault. He's had no Lucas. He's had no Mora. Obviously, Ndombele is not where he's wanted to be in terms of fitness, but he's in the side today. And we've seen he's made back-to-back appearances now. But you have to ask, you know, which can only be compensated for by an excellent offensive organisation. And at the moment, there's a feeling that, you know, organisation-wise, second half. I mean, Rick, we were everywhere. You know, we just, there was a real lack of cohesion. And then we all come on to it in terms of the game itself. But we saw that, you know, even after going one down, you know, we could have gone two, three, four down. Lloris was a massive pivotal figure in making sure Spurs remained in the game. Um, and we've discussed about what he could have done in terms of options on the bench. And you look at that bench, there was only really Hill and Skip on there in terms of any kind of, and it's even been kind to even call Skip an offensive player when he's a midfielder. So Hill was really the only option to bring on. Is there anything in your opinion that he could have done, Rick, to change the game, to sway it at all when we are one down? Um, I think it goes back to what you said about the players. I think they have to take responsibility. I think... Watching Spurs over the years, I don't think we've ever really controlled a game with game management and understand the situation. I think a lot of the times, you know, watching Spurs, we go one down, it, we, we capitulate a lot of the time, particularly against the big sides. Um, from, from my point of view, I think, as Paul said, I think Nuno's got to be given time. The one thing I'd like to see over, over a, sort of a period of time is actual coaches and managers making players better. So Crackers is saying, oh, we've got C grade and stuff like that. Even though City and Chelsea, they've got all the money, that's fantastic. But they still make those players that they've bought better, in my opinion. So I think we saw it with Pochettino a few years ago. You know, we were punching well above our weights and he made players a lot better. And I've not seen that in recent years. So I think, yes, we are where we are with, with the squad of players we've got. But, you know, behind the scenes, you know, can someone coach them and actually get them better? So... We can even get closer and, you know, Cracker saying about C-grade, can we get a few players to, to B-grade yeah. and all that sort of stuff? But oh, I, yeah. I just don't see it. I just, just don't see it. Mm. Um, I think, yeah, we, we've got to give him time. Um, he's a very likeable character. I think he's got the back end of the players. Um, yeah. unlike, oh, I mean, first half, you, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you agree, Rick. First half, I mean, you couldn't say those players weren't playing for him. I mean, they yeah. were. First we're, half, they were absolutely with him. I mean, we all were. I mean, it was a really, really positive atmosphere first half. And I think I think that's what's so frustrating, Rick, that, you know, you look at that first half performance, you just think, you know what, if we can play like that every week and get the results, I think we'd all be happy. It was a really committed performance first half. But it's just when you see the second half and just how quickly we drop off. And I think you, Paul, picked up on it there, you know, um, fitness-wise, the decline in our fitness over the past few years has been really alarming. You know, 59 minutes, 
everybody. And I, I know there's been, you know, players that have gone off to obviously South America, there are players that are injured, but everybody looked knackered. And I don't think that performance, you know, you look at it and you think, you know, generally there's a lot of running energy, but the warning signs were there from early on. Uh, there's there's lots and lots of work to do generally. And, you know, I think we understand Chelsea are miles ahead of us at the moment. And, you know, Rich, I do want to ask you this because I know you were kind of angling towards there. We are going to, obviously, I say pick up on the game, look at the players as well, and of course, preview walls. But um, how much is this, Rich, down to, you know, the lack of investment from the club in terms of how far we are away now from Chelsea? Because there was a time that that gap was a lot closer and Spurs were competing for titles. Spurs were in a position where the gap, Rich, between them and Chelsea wasn't too far. So how much no. of this is down to the board? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's absolutely down to them. I think it lies solely at, at their at their door, uh, not the managers at all. I I think with Pochettino, as I've said before on previous shows, we had a man that was making fine chicken soup out of chicken shit, wasn't it? Like that, that's the problem. He was he got so much out of that group of players. Um, and and they overproduced. They did overproduce. They over. They they went over and beyond what they what they was, and uh, that sort of began to unravel. The club never saw that they should invest in that team further, even though he asked for that, and, and they never did. So yeah, I think it. I think the blame lies solely at the club's feet for not being able to invest or, or not wanting to invest. But I don't know. L- listen, I'm I'm no football finance expert. So perhaps the club cannot, where they are, invest further into that team, given their financial constraints. Maybe when the stadium kicks in and, you know, next Saturday we've got, we've got a boxing match going on now. Um, you know, that's a huge revenue coming into the club. Maybe that revenue then gets ploughed into the football side and then the NFL comes along and that gets ploughed into the football side and everything else. And as things begin to develop with this new stadium, the money gets invested. So I'm not holding my breath on it, to be honest, Rick. Um, yeah. I don't know what, what what they've got planned for that for that money. But if it goes into the football side, then all of a sudden maybe we do start to bring in players and be a little bit more uh, cynical and a little bit more clinical with who comes in and getting rid of players that are just not cutting the mustard because we've got a little bit more financial freedom to do so. So at the moment, Enoch own that club. If if I say I don't want them now, if you say I don't want them now, are they going to go? No, they're, they're not. Until such times as the money's or the till's not, not, not ringing and the money's not coming in, they're going nowhere. Or until such times as somebody comes in and makes them an offer they can't refuse, they're going to go nowhere. So, like, we are where we are. We just got to hope that they've got this plan to actually invest further as the stadium generates more income. Like we said before, Rick, you can't fault Enoch, you can't fault Daniel Levy for what he's done of the infrastructure of the club. 
there's no better training facility in world football than what we've currently got. I've been round that training ground. I've been round the first team training ground, dressing rooms and everything. Man, it's just, it's opulent. It's absolutely opulent. It's brilliant. If you was a player, you wouldn't want to be anywhere else. You go around that stadium. It's so, so difficult to build a new stadium in football and get it right. You know, the Emirates, the Emirates is awful. Look at West Ham Stadium. It's awful. Southampton fans are telling you their new stadium. Awful. But we've built this new, like, White Hart Lane, 60,000. It's, it's, it's off the scale. It's brilliant. It's a football stadium. Yeah. They've got that so right, and yet other parts of the business, so, so wrong. So I'll give them, like, you know, 10 out of 10 hats off. They're A-grade students for what they've built. But they're just not getting the yeah. product right, you know. It's Which is like I said to you, most important, right? I think you asked fans. They've, what they've they... built the Ivy restaurant and they're serving Russell's burgers, isn't they, at the moment? And that's what we've got to get right. We've got to get that menu right. We've got to get Gordon Ramsay in God. to go, right, you, big boy, get them burgers off the menu. We need something a bit different here. I, I, Until that happens, <laughs> we are where we are. I've got words. We can have Gordon Ramsay. I think we have Ainsley working here. I'm still not sure we get that menu right. <laughs> I, I might be wrong. I said Master Chef. I wasn't sure it's a Master Chef, Master Shit Show. But um, um just, just just to finish up, just before we, uh, I say, discuss the game in a bit more detail, look at some of the players. I mean, I think what we have to remember is these set of players, and of course we've had some additions come in. And these group of players have, you know, they've found the likes of Pochettino, they've found the likes of, of Mourinho, Mason to some degree as well. Nuno, you know, I think no one should expect anything from Spurs until the majority of some of this team is actually dispersed and moved on because, you know, it is going to take some time. And it's funny, you know, I said to myself, right, I am going to allow myself to have this word transitional season and not get too angered and too upset about results. But here I am just beating Chelsea 3-0 and already I'm getting annoyed at myself. So it's like, you know what, you're right what you said, Paul, we're, we're quite far from those teams above us, but it bloody hurts. It really hurts on the back of today. When you're losing 3-0, it's so hard to find a justification for it. And I think, you know, for 45 minutes, as we said, Spurs hung in there with a very, very good Chelsea side. And if I'm Nuno now, I am using that first half as a model and trying to figure out how do I get that out of these players for 90 minutes. And, you know, I think the key thing for him is he's got to try and work off why that press dropped. You know, of course, Kante changed the game, but we've got to find a way of sustaining that. You know, I think fans will be quite impressed today by that first half about how we did go on the front foot with a bit more attacking intent. Um, I think that's still the way forward. I think forget, forget Chelsea being champions of Europe. I think that philosophy today, in terms of that lineup, that identity can work because we showed it could work in the first half. It is just about trying to find a balance of the team. Um, but rightly, we're going to finish on some listener questions before we go for our first break of the show. Um, this, this, this reads some of these out. It's again generally on Nuno and the game. This is from Debster, who says three goals in five games is absolutely atrocious. No creativity at all. Anywhere, no game plan. The players' heads down were after the first goal. Where's the passion? Kane just doesn't seem interested at all. Another long season ahead. We deserve better. <laughs> Keith Sampson says, what's really changed for us this season in spite of platitudes from Paratigi and leave your business done? This summer is effectively the same as last year, which was woefully inadequate. And this year we've had a disinterested Kane to go with it. Dave at 1D Fork, it says, really poor. If Arsenal beat us next week, I can see Nuno coming up to the under huge pressure. Casual Yid says Nuno will get criticised, but that's the difference about bringing on the quality of the bench they have in comparison to Spurs. 
Ben Holton says, serious doubts over Nuno already. Reverting back to negative tactics in the second half, lost the game. Try and win the playing right way. To dare is to do. Ben Taylor says, a lot of fans will be negative after that second half. But let's be honest, Chelsea are likely to win the title. We showed passion in pressing that first half. Lack of options on the bench killed us in that second half. And we've also got Brock Soccer Ball saying, strangely enough, I'm not angry about this result at all. We all know that Chelsea are a better side than us at the moment. The performance was much improved and a step in the right direction. Losing games like this always is hard to take, but I can get behind the team that played today. Jay Reid does pick up on the fact that he feels the job for Nuno may be too big for him. He says these players are already showing signs that they are not bothered again. And it showed that in the second half. We're going to touch upon that when we come to, like I say, the game itself. But we are going to go for our first break of the show for our listeners on audio. And taking you into this break, we're going to hear instant reaction from Nuno Espirito Santo. who gives his thoughts to Spurs generally about the game and how we do move forward. Lucy Nicotine is finally in the UK. Lucy is a company founded by Cortex scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Their mission is to reduce tobacco-related harm to zero. Researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients, Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three different flavours. Spearmint, red mango, citrus berry... Each and every flavour tastes great and it's convenient and discreet. Those products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go or even in the gym. It's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug your vape, throw out your dip and get some Lucy nicotine gum. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple and you don't have to even leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. Last word on Spurs listeners, go to uk.com.co and use promo code SPURS to get 20% off your first order of nicotine gum. That's uk.lucy.co and use promo code SPURS at checkout. Nuno, such a shame, ended up 3-0. First half performance, you've got to take some positives from that. Yeah, definitely, I think. Different halves in the first half, really well, really well. The way we, we played... We play good. Uh, we press high. The attitude was 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 huge. We had chances. Um, that is what we we have to build on. But at the same time, be uh, be aware of the of the problems that we had in the second half. Set piece. We can see the goal. That's disappointing, and then becomes harder. And um, okay, we have to give credit to the to the opponent, but we were not able to to play again and, and compete. I must say, I, I, I knew you'd pick the set. I mean, for me, you're so meticulous in your preparations. A set-piece goal will frustrate you a lot, and then the deflection. Yeah. I mean, how yeah. does that end up in the back of the Yeah. But this is football. Uh, the team was punished, and the boys um, was were punished because in the first half we, we went to the to the half-time with the with the the positive and the energy to, to go again because we did an amazing amazing job on the on the first half. In that first half, Nuno, yeah, we really took the game to him, didn't we? I mean, it was so impressive. Yeah, yeah. Now the next challenge is to, to try and sustain um, through all the game. Through all the game. Um, the fans deserve more, um, the way they support us through, through the first half. It's up to us now to sustain it so we keep the energy going. When the team came out, I think we were all maybe quite surprised by just how attacking it was. You know, bearing in mind, you know, we had Sanchez, Romero, Lascelles all back in the country after, what, 10 days away in Croatia. Um, and you look at the lineup that we had, we had Ndombele making 
back-to-back starts. Of course, no Lucas Moura, no Steven Bergwijn, both out of the squad. What did you make of the overall team? Was you surprised, Paul, by just how attacking Nuno went? Yeah, I was surprised, Rick, and I was pleasantly surprised, really. I, I wasn't expecting it. Um, I thought the skip would start, for sure. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised, and I think that was probably our best team. You know, you could argue that Bergwijn or Lucas could come in there for Lachelso, certainly. Um, but apart from that, I think that is our best team. Um, uh, you know, Sanchez has made a good start as well, so he could he could feature in the, in the back there. But I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was an example of of Nuno um, showing that he can do something other than uh, be a defensive manager. I think he was forced into it, you know, with Mora and um, and Bergwijn not being there. Um, he didn't have too many options, did he? And, and the big worry I had was the strength of the bench compared to theirs. And I think that, that you know, proved decisive in the second half. But no, I was pleasantly surprised. And I thought the start we made was fantastic. I thought that uh, the pressing was 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 co- comparable to Pochetti's peak, you know, the, the early pressing. We had chances. We had chances with um, Regulon and, and Son in that first half. I think Lachelso had a, a chance, actually, it fell on his right foot and he can barely kick with his right foot, can he? And, you know, I'd yeah. like to see that one again and see if that was a decent chance. But no, yeah. pleasantly surprised with the lineup. Thought it was the right lineup. Um, that was the you know the lineup that gave us the most creativity, um, but you know and Dombali did start to play ninety minutes on Thursday. He's only just been reassimilated into the squad, and I did yeah. think he would fade. I know you know I know Jason McGovern says it regularly, and he's right that you know these guys and Dombali and Lachelso will not be proper influential top money Spurs players until they can give us ninety minutes. But I wasn't surprised when both of them came off uh, at sixty today because neither of them had the preparation really for for. You know, Dombley's case for two games in a week and Lachoso's case after the ridiculous two weeks he's had being arrested in Brazil and then, you know, isolation in Croatia. It's mm. amazing that we got anything out of those three guys, really. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I was happy with the lineup and very happy with the first half. And um, But, I, but I, you know, as I think Ricky um, said off air earlier, I, I think you could see it coming. You know, we really could see it coming at half time, but maybe not 3-0. But um, I, I did think we'd run out of steam and, and so we did. Rick, let's come to you. I mean, um, first off, as we said, really good performance. I think we all went in really spirited into half-time, just thinking, you know what, play that second half, we've got a great chance here, a great chance to really take the game to Chelsea and, dare I say, even win the game. But second half, you know, it's funny our game start. Chelsea, they absolutely flew out the box. It was almost as if Tuchel went in there and just went at them and said, you know what, this isn't good enough. You know, we've come here... We want to take three points. And the way they started that second half with such intensity desire, you know, they're actually into their third corner in three minutes, which resulted in the first goal for Chelsea from uh, Silva. Alonso floating in the corner. Silva jumps above Delhi and Dyer to head into the bottom corner. How frustrating is that, Rick? A goal from a set piece in which a player jumps above two of our men to score. Yeah, well, it really shouldn't be happening. Um, I think, you know, when you watch the, the goal, he, he's come from quite deep and he's he's got the, the leap on both of them. Um, again, I think you have to look at, I've never played football at that sort of level, so I imagine it's still pretty difficult. But the one thing I know I would try and do is to, you know, be quite physical. And I think it just looks a bit too timid. Um, and as I said before, you know, once that goal goes in, I think the head's dropped a lot. Um, and it was always going to be a, an uphill task to, to, to get anything back. Um, in the game. Um, I think, you know, again, um, Paul alluded to it about the fitness. I think if we play that system like we did in the first half, I think the, the guys will get fitter. I think it's something they get used to. It's like anything. When you do something over a period of time, you get fitter. 
um you know after christmas I, <laughs> it's always difficult in january isn't it but once you get to march and that when you're into the gym you, you get bitter so yeah, yeah. um <laughs> well, no, that's okay so anyway yeah <laughs> Um, but no, but if they, if they play that system all the time, naturally they're going to get fitter. They're going to get used to it. Um, I'm a big believer of trying to play the same side as much as you can so they get used to each other. Um, and then hopefully that will will uh, get the results we want. And um, obviously, you know, getting the results gets us points and, and gets us somewhere where we want to be. Yeah, I agree. Um, Rich, let's come around to you. Do you know what? In between that, that first goal to the second goal, I don't know what happened at the back. It was almost turned into Chuckle Brothers. It was just a moment of just complete, utter madness. It was almost like we were rattled. That's all I can describe it as. Mm. You know, we saw Loris making save after save. And um, I know, that, you know, one moment to, re- to rescue that, to deny Alonso. We saw Dyer clearing the ball off the line. It was just an absolutely terrible start to a second half. I mean, I can only imagine Nuno said, just go out and play the way you did, you know, play the way you did first half. But whatever Tuchel said to them really got Chelsea up. And we do know he's a tactical magician or, or you know, master magician, the way he does operate and manage the team. We've seen him get great results, mm. Chelsea. And this was no different. And, you know, to double the lead, it was Kante's shot taking a big deflection off Dyer. But I mean, Rich, you know, they had four centre-backs on the pitch, three defensive players. They're still scoring 30 yarders against Tottenham. Are we just really unlucky? Well, listen, they were buying lottery tickets, wasn't they? They were taking their chances. Lacelso loses his man for that second goal. And if you're letting shots off from 25, 30 yards, sometimes you get that lucky deflection. And this is what I've said before. Go out and play games and you go and buy lottery tickets. You take shots because sometimes every week, Somebody picks six numbers on the national lottery and wins it. It's it's pure luck. So get a shot off. Get up the pitch. Get into that final third. Let a shot off. You get you get one going off of somebody's ass like it did with Dyer, and all of a sudden you're you're two nil up. So you know you have to you have to sort of wind back a little bit. And what's the Celso doing for that second goal? I mean, he was just he was all over yeah. the place. But that's that's the that's the calibre of player we've got. Yeah. When we've got that calibre of player, like Tiago, Tiago knew that if he sort of hung back, got a run on two players in Delhi and Dyer, yeah. that he might have a chance. So again, he's gone and bought a lottery ticket mm. and, and and he's won. And then like, you know, the second goal, they've bought a lottery ticket and they've won. Because our calibre of player, as I've said, we're giving their all, but it's not enough against players like Thiago and against Kante. So that's that's just just where we are. So that that you know they were a little bit more offensive, a little bit more on the front foot, a little bit more guile and everything, and it paid off for them today. Because yeah, when yeah. you have good players like that but go and take chances, but a little bit more cute, a little bit more clever. That That's what they bring you. They bring you, and all of a sudden, it's 2-0. It's game over. Yeah. And they yeah. know that we're such a glass-chin team as well. That first goal goes in, so true. and we're all crazy. over the place. Yeah. We've got yeah. no chin on us at all, have we? We go 1-0 down. And like you know, it's mm. the upper cup in the uh, upper cut in the fifth round of a ten round fight. I'd even, consider, come out I'd, for the I'd, even say, round. I'd even say, Richard, are you even wearing gloves? 
exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, you know, all of a sudden we've got caught with a little cute uppercut in the sixth round of a 10 round game. Uh, like and that's it you know our legs have gone we're looking at the corner we're blowing and and that's the problem we've just not got enough cuteness enough guile enough of that type of player in, in our team so that that's what i'm saying there's there's two separate issues here rick yeah it's like is this team giving you as much as it can and today i think they did I genuinely both, think they parts, did. Richard, you agree in both well, Yeah, yeah, because I just don't think they've got it in their locker to give you that 90 minutes of guile and energy and creativity and everything. They've, they've just not got it. But Chelsea have got the players to give you 90 minutes, to give you 95 minutes, but can all of a sudden, in the middle of a game, pull it together and go, what if I try this instead? Just that little bit of like that little X factor. They've got those players. So we go back to who owns Chelsea and the way he runs a club and who owns Spurs and how they run the club. Look, I mean, you know, take Chelsea today. Um, uh, who was it? Roberto, who was the manager that won the Champions League and then got like sacked? Yeah, Roberto Di Matteo. He won the Champions League for him. Gone. See you later. Yeah. Out the door. Yeah. You know, if they've got players that they that just or managers that are just not doing it, boom, mm. out the door. Yeah. Gone. Now, they're just cold hearted. I mm. mean, they throw a few quid at it. And we're yeah. just not in that position to do that with, with mm. these current owners. So everything, the whole thing goes back to the business model of the club. Yeah. Chelsea seem to have the finances and the guile to do that that sort of business decision. That's not working. Get rid. Get yep. somebody in who can. You know, I, I, I ask you, do you think Undembele would still be getting in the Chelsea team? Oh, on, that, a, like, Le, Le at, on year three, you, absolutely not. He'd be at the no, door. Just, no, just not a yep. chance. Would yep. Winks be anywhere near that first team squad? Well, no. Would I, yeah, Davis, no. would Doherty, would, no. you know, no. would Delhi even, mm, even yeah. Kane under Tuchel, you know, uh, listen, like, you know, we've all gone, oh, Kane stayed. Do you mm. think Tuchel would be putting up with Kane and his disinterested way of playing at the moment? He no. wouldn't. Mm. You know, it's, uh, your, your man at Chelsea that runs at Chelsea would have gone, well, I ain't having that. You can, mm. like, see you later. I'm not going to sell you to Man City, by the way. You yeah. can go overseas. If you don't want to be here, see you later. I'll, I'll just flog you for 100 million over there. Yeah. You know, even though you're apparently worth 150, 160 million, he'd have got rid of him. He'd have, yeah. He would he would have gone. But we're just not in that position to do that with our current owners. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Someone said to me, it's a 2-0. You know, the thing is, you know, champions, they, they take advantage of their ascendancy, right? Mm. And um, even if they need a little bit of luck to do it, they manage it. And, you know, the, the only thing that was worrying me at 2-0, the, the drop-off in energy was quite frightening. I know we picked up on this, Paul, and, and Rick, in terms of, you know, the, just the, fit, the fitness levels. And, you know, at one point, we did see Spurs physios going onto the pitch. I didn't know where to go first. We had Emerson were all down injured. We then saw Loris struggling with what looked like a cut shin. Uh, Romero was then cramping up. He had to come off. Sanchez came on, who'd been struggling 
in the past few minutes of the Cranberries, he said. Then the third goal went in for Chelsea as Rudiger fired home on the turn from a corner completely unmarked. I think the only frustration there, coming to you, Paul, was you know to allow Werner to get that much space in the box was just so frustrating. You've got Kane Emerson standing off as if nothing was happening. You know, Can you explain that, Paul, anyway? I think we'd gone by that stage. Yeah, and no, I'm not excusing it. Um, I, I think that, you know, the... The the, the 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 last couple of weeks that they've had as a squad caught up with them, um, heads were down, and 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 as we've said, you know, Chelsea are a machine. They really are this year, and they had that. You know, people talk about um, Tuchel being a, a tactical genius, and you know, he's he's done incredibly well at um, at Chelsea so far. He really has. I thought he was harsh when they sacked Lampard. I thought it was typical Chelsea, but how well has, has Tuchel done? But he's got he's got a player on the bench like Ungolo Kante to bring on at half time to change that game. You know, we just didn't have that. We, did, we didn't have that option, did we? And frankly, the last 10 or 15 minutes, I, I think we were just out on our feet. There was a lot of, there was injuries. There was, I think there were conditioning issues, which I think, you know, um, Nuno has made one of his priorities to fix, as we said earlier. Um, and and so frankly, I'm, I, I'm not going to hold that against them to the, the last 10 or 15 minutes. I think we were, the game was fit, was, was over. Um, we were out on our feet. It would have been nicer if it had been 2-0. It could have been worse. It could have been 4-5, or five, obviously. But, um, but I, I just think that the game was over, and I, and I wouldn't want to judge our players' attitudes on on on, on those last ten or fifteen minutes, really, because as I think somebody said on this podcast last week, or I think um, Chelsea never declare, do they? To use a cricketing term for yeah. Ricky and I, you know, they 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 would not let us. Sort of, they don't just sort of sit back and settle for a two 0 against us, do they? They love to rub yeah. our noses in it, and they were yeah. playing at full throttle, and they they had someone of the caliber of Kante to come on. And and he's one of the he's one of the outstanding players in the Premier League of the last five or six years, you know, and and so he makes his manager look like a tactical genius, doesn't he? Um, mm-hmm. I do think they were giving it their all. I, I wouldn't criticise them for the last ten or fifteen minutes, even though Rudy, Rudiger was given all that space to get that third goal. There are other chances. Hugo saved us, whatever. You, um, I just think the game was over by then, and it just emphasised the golfing class really. Yeah, I mean, Rick, one thing I do want to pick up on, and, you know, today has not been too many positives. And what's been a really, really uh, just horrible day for the football club. Obviously, the loss of uh, Greavesy, then this result against Chelsea. Um, but Hugo Lloris, you know, in his first save of note, came just a couple of minutes into that second half of that pushover from Alonso's volley. Um, he couldn't do much with, you know, Silva's powerful header. You've got to say the mark in there should have been a lot better. But, you know, one point throughout the push away, a dangerous cross in the final 10 minutes. He took a cut to his shin for his troubles. He then made a late save from Kovacic, but... You know, from the subsequent corner, couldn't do enough to get near Rudiger's finish. But overall, Rick, I mean, how do you feel about the prospect of Lloris this being his final season? Do you have the confidence that, you know, with Galini coming in, we're going to be all right in that area? Because, you know, Lloris, I tell you what, he today he made some wonderful saves and he won't get the credit because of the nature of the result. But I thought he was, to a man, it could have ended up being, uh, to use your terminology, it could have been a cricket score at one point. I was getting really concerned. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think he comes under a lot of criticism, doesn't he? Um, from, from game to game, he's, you know, like every goalkeeper, they've got a, a howler in them and, and Lloris is no different. Um, I think the situation is that, you know, like Cracker said earlier, we're not in a position to go out and spend loads of money on a, a decent keeper like Man City and Chelsea and um, uh, Liverpool have. You know, we're not in that position. Um, so I think we're, we're limited to, to what we've got. Um, I think he at times, you know, make some good saves and, and keeps us in games. Um, but like other times, you know, like keepers do, they they obviously have a howler in them as well. I think the one thing that's disappointing from my point of view, talking about today's game a little bit more, is 
I think we lack leaders. You know, you, you look at all these inside, there's, there's so many leaders there, but the second, you know, the, the chips are down, you, you look around and everyone's like straight to the floor, you know, and you would you could say that Hoybier is that sort of fighting character and potential leader in him, the way he's got a bit of grit and determination. But even with him, you know, I was watching the replays on, on Sky Sports and that, and he should have been straight out, you know, blocking that, blocking that shot as, as well. And he was sort of like standing off it a little bit. So... You know, from my point of view, I think, you know, we need leaders in that side um, because I think we've got a real sort of like soft underbelly and it's, mm. you know, it's very um, evident in, in games like this. Yeah, I agree. I think that's one key thing that, you know, it's screaming, isn't it, in your face. Where are those players that are getting a grip to this game? Where are those players that are taking control and looking to change it? And that's what you need. I think a 1-0, where is that presence to say, do you know what, we're not going to let this game get away from us. And that's something we've lacked for a very, very long time. And although Mourinho did bring the likes of Hoybier, I think, like you said there, we're still lacking in so many areas of that, you know, that leader. I've never been, as much as I love Hugo, I've never been comfortable with the goalkeeper being the captain. For me, that's got to be, you know, someone in the middle of the park that controls that. I've never been a favourite of being a striker either. I've got to be honest with you, just personal preference. Everybody has their preference. But, um, um, Rich, I just want to ask you about Emerson Royale. Now, we've seen, obviously, 180 minutes plus of him so far now with uh, the game against Palace. And today, do you know what? First half, I thought he was... Really good, really good. I thought you know he made a great week, made a great signing block mm. in the opening fifteen minutes. To deny Mace, uh, sorry, Mount in front of goal. Then he, to be fair, he struggled with Alonso down his side on on the day as a whole. But um, if you were to judge him overall, Rich, are you quite happy with that business so far? Or is it still too early for that one? Yeah, it's it's still a bit bit too early to to judge. But he looks like he's he's a player that needs to settle and come in and find his feet. And, uh, you know, this this is young kids moving to a new country. So, you know, I'd done it two years ago at 50 years old and moved to a new country. And it's tough. It is tough. Even with, like, help and a bit of finance behind you and that, it's, it's difficult sometimes to move to a new country, pick up a new culture, pick up the way things are. Some people drop into that sort of thing quite easily. Others don't settle so much. I mean, Gary Neville today was talking about such a thing. Some players just not suited to the Premier League and some come in and and pick up. So, you know, Emerson Royal, he looks like there's a player that could settle and do us a job, but not yet. Brian Hill, another player. Well, you know, as you know, Rick, I live out in Spain now. You speak to anybody that knows their football, where my boys play football. My my youngest lad's coach was uh, coaching in La Liga um, with with the kids. And he said, I can't believe you got Brian Hill in. I mean, there's a player. This is a lad that that everybody really rates. Mm. If he settles and becomes a player... Well, I mean, we have got some player on our hands there. He's phenomenally talented. Let's hope he settles yeah. and and just sort of gets into the Premier League and gets and gets the pace of it. You know, Syria and La Liga and League Earn are very very different to the Premier League. So some some sort of get it, some settle in, some do it, and some don't. But you know, if if they do get it, then Emerson Royal, Brian Hill, and a few other players will be absolutely brilliant. But the trouble is, they're not fresh out the box, ready to go 
Premier League players. Yep. So you've got to give them some time. And I think that's where we messed up in the in the transfer window, but we didn't have those plug-and-play ready Premier players, players. Premier yep. League players ready to go. That's, yep. that's what we needed. We needed one or two mm. of them. And if yep. I can rewind a little bit on the, on the subject of uh, Lloris in goal, when he goes, you're going to realise, and we're all going to realise, just how much of a good goalkeeper Hugo Lloris is. I mean, I... You mean, to tell, up, you mean to tell me it's going to get worse? Oh, man, I'll tell you, I got up to county level as a goalkeeper, okay? Believe it or not, I know I'm a big fat whatever now, but when I was a kid, I was a decent goalkeeper, my youngest lad is a very, very decent goalkeeper, probably better than me. Uh, he's got every chance of making it. So he knows a goalkeeper. I've speak to Pat Jennings before when I've done nights with him. Uh, you know, tell me Pat doesn't know a goalkeeper. And he says, Hugo Lloris is a goalkeeper. He's a great, great goalkeeper. And I know he gets stick. I think it's when he goes, you're going to realise what we've lost in Hugo Lloris. He is a fantastic, phenomenal goalkeeper. Mm. Um, you know, whether this Galini yeah. develops and kicks on and becomes the same, let's hope so. But mm. if I was Daniel Levy, I would be offering Hugo Lloris another couple of years. I yeah. honestly, I honestly would. He is a phenomenal goalkeeper. You can't believe how many games he's kept us in. Yeah, that's the life of a goalkeeper. You make a mistake as a goalkeeper, it's a goal. And all of a sudden, the world's a big, empty, horrible place. Yeah, it's a great big hole that you're swallowed into. When you're a striker and you miss a shot, people go, oh, but you get another chance. When you're a goalkeeper and you make a mistake, that's it. It's a goal. So every mistake a goalkeeper makes, like Ricky said, is glaring. It's so so glaring. I suppose it's a bit like being a Ricky, uh, the wicketkeeper in it. Ricky, really, you know, you drop a catch and it's like, oh man, he's got gloves on at like twelve foot tall. Has he missed that? Has he dropped that? Honestly, we're really going to miss Lloris if we. Mm. I, I, I would keep him for another couple of Two seasons. Lloris probably is at that point where he probably can't wait to get away, and he's even just saying, <laughs> he's probably thinking, "I'm going to get out of this." He's brilliant. He's a brilliant, brilliant goalkeeper. He really, oh, really is. We're going to miss him so much. We really are. See, he's probably cutting down days, days on that calendar where he can finally get away, and then you are coming after a new contract. That's it. Can't make it up. Um, <laughs> Rick, let's come around here. I want to ask you, Rick, about our, our defensive pairing, the centre-back pairing. You know, Romero, a real, I think it was a real positive first Premier League start for him on the whole. Um, he dealt with much that came his way before cramping up in that final 10 minutes, which probably is to be expected, bearing in mind, you know, he's not really had much Premier League games before. Um, Dyer, to be fair, managed to fit block on his own goal line to deny Alonso in the early second half, but was then unfortunate to see Kante's effort deflect off his leg and post. Um, it seems odd to give the two centre-backs, you know, when you look at it, a, a decent you know, a decent review because, you know, I thought on the day they didn't play too bad together. Although, you know, again, Dyer, Delhi being beaten in the air, of course, with Chelsea's opening goal. Rick, is that the, the pair you want to see moving forward if if everybody's fit? Um, or with Sanchez being there for you over one of those two? Yeah, it, it's a tricky one because I think it's it's been a position that we've sort of lacked 
um, quality in for, for a number of years now. Um, I think, you know, you look at the days of Toby and Jan and stuff were quite assured there and it was, you know, a consistent team that we were playing and uh, stuff like that. But that's always going to happen that those guys got a little bit older, moved on. We now need to find a, a new pairing. If you're not, as we've alluded to during this for quite a period now, if we're not going to be spending the money to get the quality in, you know, you have to look at, at certain pairings we've got. Um, Romero, obviously very new and, and stuff, so you've got to let him sort of settle in and bed in. Um, Dyer and Sanchez, three clean sheets at the start, start of the season, so they were going well. Um, I, I think, from my point of view, I'd, might be controversial. I, I like Dyer. I think he sort of gets it. He understands what the Premier League's about. He understands Tottenham. He has that. He, he's He's got a bit of leader about him. You know, we said we lack leaders. He's got something about him. Um, I think I'd put him in there personally. Um, I think he went for a tricky stage where he, he started to do well under Jose Mourinho. Had, I think he gave away a penalty um, last year or whatever it was. And then suddenly from there, he got called out by Jose and his confidence just went straight downhill. Um, so I think, you know, that's a position that I think he could be, he could be quite good at. Um, and then it's just a question of, is it Sanchez or Romero next to him? Um, but again, I think, you know, we've alluded to it a lot. If yeah. we haven't got the money to bring in quality players, it's all about developing the players we've got and trying to make them better. Yeah, and of course, it's down to Nuno to do so. Um, let's come back around to you, Paul. Regulon, do you know what? It's funny, I was, I was sitting there today, I said today, it's a Jamie and John, bless them. And, you know, Regulon, he, he did make a great breakup of playing around the 20th minute mark, but he chose to cross to the Celso when he could have shot. And it was just that moment there, that indecisiveness is really frustrating, you know, I think on the whole, we will look at that as a bit of a bad day at the office for him because, you know, for the Spaniard in both the halves, he got nowhere near Rudiger for that last goal of the game. And I'm, I'm at the moment, you know, it's, when he, there was such an excitement, Paul, about bringing this guy in from Real Madrid. Has he, have we seen the potential yet for you to think, do you know what? I look back at that prime fullback pairing of Walker and Rose. We aren't there yet. Of course we're not. But does he have the potential, do you think, in Regulon to get to where Danny Rose was, where he was, I mean, quite frankly, he was one of the best fullbacks, you know, in the league at that point. Can he get there in your opinion, Paul? Is there enough for you to see that so far? I think so, Rick. Yeah, I'm still optimistic on that one. Um, I don't think we've seen as much of him as, as we would have would have hoped up to now. I think he's made a decent start to the season, actually, defensively as, as much as um, as much as much offensively. And we know up that he's, you know, apart from well, the last goal again, and up as I say, I'd sort yeah. of switched off by that stage, to be honest. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still prepared to give the give the guys the, the benefit of the doubt on the last ten minutes. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, that 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 chance that was the, that, that was the big moment, wasn't it? And he should have gone for goal, I think. You know, when he crossed it, he didn't seem to have his head up. I was, I was stand, I was sitting in line with that. Actually, we're in the um, the 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 west uh, west stand, lower uh, near the north stand, and uh, I was right in line with that. Um, and it was a it was a huge chance. But I like him. He's clearly a big character. He's a likable character, isn't he? Um, you know, his strength is meant to be attacking, but we haven't seen enough of that. Uh, there were some couple of very good um, clearances, I remember, um, against Palace, I think. Um, so I do, do think he's had a decent start to the season. I think he's had a disciplined start to the season. He is some way off Danny Rose at his peak. I, I agree with that. Um, but I think Danny Rose at his peak was the left, the best left back in uh, in England. I, yeah, I also yeah. remember that um, exchange on Sky. Was it last season when uh, Roy Keane was 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 having a go at Reggie on and, and, yeah, and James yeah. came to our defence? You know, I don't think that Jamie often comes to our defence actually so I don't think he's that keen on Spurs even though he used to play for us but yeah, he, he got very defensive and said to Roy Keane he's the best left back in the country and I thought well it's a it's a pro's point of view that and um, mm. I'm, I'm, st I'm still hopeful basically I, I tend to 
I, I tend to be optimistic as a Spurs fan. Um, I, I yeah. don't know why. I've, I've, I've suffered enough over the years. Well, but... Why are we, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, older, I'm older than all of you here. I've suffered more than any of you, believe me. Oh, but, damn. Um, uh, but it gets, I, it gets I, worse I, than this, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> no, hang on in there. Keep the faith. I always yeah, say keep the yeah. faith. Um, yeah. No, Reginald's going to be all right. I think he's okay. I mm. think he's uh, made a reasonable start to the season. I think he's going to be a decent player for us this season and beyond, basically. Yeah. Well, I mean, Hoybier, you know, battled away in that first half, but he wasn't the driving influence that he can be on the team in the second half period. I think that's fair to say. He also was half asleep with Reginald for the final goal of the game with Rudiger. Um, Deli Ali. now, you know, I don't think it's a show that goes by. You know, if anyone listens to our show, of course we do. Uh, talk about all the players of a game because, you know, they all make up the performance. So we do do this on this show and some people love it, some people detest it. And there's always questions on Delhi. Um, Rich, you know, he struggled to make an impact on that match overall. Working hard, no doubt, but with any real quality in what he produced. Um, we have got a question on Delhi here and this is coming from Andrew Charman who says, Delhi seems to be getting a lot of flat, but with the exception today of Hoybier, what else is any of our midfield or attackers offering when you look at the criticism that Delhi's getting? Is that fair? Yeah, listen, Delhi lost his way under Jose, didn't he? he? He was frozen out. He was Jose's scapegoat that he seems to always have in teams. Wherever he plays, he seems to have one player that he doesn't like. And Delhi was in the barrel uh, under under Jose. Um I, I came over to the UK and went to Wolves away and I saw Delhi absolutely give his all in that game at Wolves away. He was he was he was everywhere. So some games he just seems to be able to get and an effect. Today he didn't. I think he got nullified, you know. So there's still scope for Delhi to develop and become the player that he can be. Um, Flatters to deceive a little bit sometimes, but today is the type of game where Delhi needs to step up. And don't forget, Delhi done the business against them a couple of seasons ago, didn't he? I mean, he really did step up against them and was was fantastic. So I don't know. He's he's a bit of an enigma, isn't he? Really, some some games you think oh, wow, you really want a Delhi in your side. And in other games, he just seems to, they just seem to pass him by. Um, I don't know. I'm just so undecided on Delhi. Is it, I, I, I don't know if that's fair. I just can't quite make him out. Uh, you know, some games brilliant, some games he just goes along. So, uh, I don't, how old's Delhi now, Rick? Do you know? 45. <laughs> <laughs> What's he? 23, 24? Yeah, 25. I think he's twenty-five. Yeah, so you know he should be hitting his straps now, shouldn't he? It yeah. should be every game. Like mm. he's there and he's yeah. he's at it and he mm. wants it and you know he's affecting a game. You know he didn't go to the Euros, did he? He wasn't. No, he wasn't that, involved I mean, that, in the that Euros. Should be, this should be his burning passion, desire yeah, d- to yeah, not let that happen yeah. again. Exactly, you know, he should be like absolutely banging on the door to be in that midfield for England, uh, but he he doesn't seem to be. So I I I just don't know. It's like he's one of them players. Oh, do you know what? If we sell him, if he comes a well beater somewhere else, you're gonna go. 
Oh man, yeah, why have we let there's, him pe- go? there's people screaming though, Rich, saying, but how long do we keep thinking like that? Yeah, that that, that that's the problem. And mm. maybe that's the difference between us and a Chelsea yep. or a Man U or a Man City would have gone, do you know what? He ain't cutting the mustard enough for us. Spot you know, yeah. he's another yeah. Ricky Veer, isn't he? You know, he's like all of a sudden you get a game and he absolutely smashes it to bits. And then, like, for four or five games, you're going, like, he's a waste of a shirt. He's an absolute waste of a shirt. So mm. I, I just I, – I cannot work out the enigma of Deli Ali at the moment. When when Deli Ali's being Deli Ali, brilliant. I, do you know, as much as we all give um, uh, Jose Mourinho a kick in – are you Delhi or are you Delhi's brother? Does that not sum him up completely? It it it, it really does. And I want Delhi Ali. I don't want Delhi Ali's brother anymore. Mm. Come out, be Delhi Ali. Do what you can do in every game. Go yeah. like listen. Today's been and gone. It was horrendous. So come Wednesday, come yeah. next Sunday, especially yeah. Yeah. go and be Delhi Ali. Go and mm. affect a game. Yeah. Go and do what you can do. Go mm. and, like, you know, pull a ball down 20 yards out and chip the keeper like he did. Yeah. You know, go, go and do that. Go and be that deli. Course, if he yeah. doesn't, then maybe it's time to, like, you know, go, well, let somebody else, like, see if they can get Deli Alley out of Deli yeah. Alley. Yeah. Yo, um, I'm conscious of time. We've got to squeeze in also a Wolves preview, so we're going to try and, like I say, rattle through this quickly. Um, Rick, let's come back round to you. Tsungi and Dombele, it's back-to-back starts for the Frenchman now, and he showed some nice moments in that game. I know there's people screaming, saying, yeah, but it's nice moments. It's not consistent, you know, and Dombele's one of those players that, I mean, obviously, you listen to this show uh, weekly. We have, obviously, the great Jason McGovern on here, that Jason, fair to say, doesn't hold back on his opinion on Dombele. Um, he did tire as the game wore on, probably quite predictably, where are you and Ndombele for you, Rick? Does he need to be in this team regular for you to feel that the team are cohesive and creating more as a unit? Um, I don't know, really. I think, you know, one, his fitness is a massive concern that he, he can't, can't go longer than 60, 60 minutes. Um, he's obviously got ability and, ta- and talent. Um, the one questionable thing, I suppose, is potentially his attitude because, you know, a couple of times now managers have left him out. Um, so they're seeing him day in, day out. Um Personally, you know, Crackers is saying maybe Deli Ali should move on. I'm a massive Deli Ali fan. I just think he has been mistreated a little bit over the last couple of seasons. Yes, he fell away a little bit under Poch towards uh, Poch's sort of last little reign there. Um, but then when Jose come in and like Cracker said, are you Deli or Deli's brother? We saw the best of Deli for a good few games at the start of, of Jose's. Um, yeah, uh, people forget that as well. People do actually do forget oh, that. that. Mm. And, and, and there was obviously there's a little window there where something happened, and then we didn't see Delhi. Now, even for a young guy at the time, he probably would have been what 24, maybe like that. If he's 25 now, that's going to dent your confidence. That's you know that's hard to take for it for a youngster. That you've got Jose Mourinho, this this serial winner. You know, is basically just chewing you to the sidelines, and you're not featuring. Um, I think it's massively important that you put your arm around Delhi. Let him know how good he is and let him express himself and go out and say, do you know what? You be the guy that we've seen, um, you know, all these these games before because his record in the Premier League and goal scoring and assists and everything 
hmm. you know, a couple of seasons ago, he was up there with the likes he of was, Lampard well, and Skull. Gerard Scholes in the first two seasons. Yeah, that's, that's not true fluke. Hmm. Um, so you know, you can talk about the the flash cars and the you know clothing ranges and all this sort of stuff. You know, maybe he lost his way a little bit, but I do think hmm. that. A guy that costs us five mil as well. I think there's a player in there still, and you just got to find it. And it goes back to when we we're saying about the old C grade and stuff like that. In my opinion, yeah. it was A grade. Somewhere mm. along the lines, he, he dipped into a, maybe a C grade, getting back to the A grade because there's a player in there. And yeah. you know, if you're going to try and go replace someone like that, what's that going to cost? And we're, we're not a club that go and spend that sort of money. Mm. Uh, I think it's a case of putting your arm around Delhi and saying, look, you go and play. So I'd rather see him there than Ndombele because I think he'll create more. He gets the Premier League a little bit more. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm a massive fan. He can't win by fluke this season. We've had obviously a range of guests so far. And I think everybody that's been on so far, there's still that belief that Delhi's going to come back. So um, we'll have to, we do have to wait and see, of course. But um, Paul, picking up just on the last couple of players before we squeeze in this Wolves preview. Um, Lo Celso, obviously calls from back from Croatia. Had a couple of early half chances in that first half. Couldn't quite get his foot to the ball in the opening minutes. He set up a chance for Son, an opportunity just after that half-hour mark. His quality with delivery really was poor on the day. Um, do you know what he is, Paul, yet? Do you know his best <laughs> position? Does anybody know his best position? What, what does he do? Do you know what we're doing? He's three seasons here now. Three seasons of the Celso. What is he? I think there's a player there. I really do think there's a player there. I'm, I, you know, I'm Mr. Optimistic on everybody at the moment, aren't I? But I remember when we were uh, heavily linked with him before he joined us, I watched him very closely in the Copa America and I thought he was a really clever player, a very modern player, um, obviously very one-footed. You know, you never get anything with, with his right foot. But I do think he's been unlucky in, the, in, in, in many ways in that he's never had a decent run. He's had injuries, you know, and even recently we've had this, this, this farce with the, uh, the international break. And I think he needs a run. There was one little spell when he did very well under Mourinho, didn't he? When, uh, you know, early, early, uh, early Mourinho's time. Uh, and, and I think he is a clever player. I think he's a modern, a very modern player. Um, he's not Ericsson. He's not on Dombali. But I do think he can, he can pick the locks. I do think he can put the ball between the lines or whatever the modern terminology is. Um, and, and I think he's worth persisting with. He disappointed me today. But again, 10 days in Croatia followed by, by being... You know all the all the all the ridiculous stuff that went on in Brazil is no preparation for a Premier League game. So I wasn't surprised he, he faded. I know it's a very valid point that we can't get more than sixty minutes out of him, but I, I think he's worth uh, persisting with. Or whether that was his best position today, he was sort of like on a on the right of the three up front, wasn't he? And um, so obviously cutting in on the on his left foot. Whether that's the best position for him, I don't know because as you say, it's a very valid point to say we don't know what his best position is yet, but. Again, I'd persist with him. Uh, I think he needs a run in the side. Uh, and I'd, I'd start him again next week. I would I would start that same side against Arsenal next week um, um, with hopefully a, a, a decent week of preparation in with them if you have a very different team playing, uh, taking on Wolves. Mm. Um, I think he's worth persevering with, basically. Yeah. And now, for the fear of not allowing this to derail the show, because we are coming close to the end, we've got a squeeze in Wolves. But I have to ask about Harry Kane, Rich. And I know it's hard to say, can you sum us up in 60 <laughs> seconds or a minute? But... Um, Today, one shot and goal, still nowhere near where he needs to be with his sharpness or his fitness. I mean, he came deep but without the quality to make things happen. And um, we had a couple of questions in here. Um, Anna Russell says, can we talk about Harry Kane? He's gone missing yet again in a big game. He's not exempt from criticism. I think it's actually the first time that Harry has started a Premier League season now, five games no Premier League goals. I mean, we all know that obviously to August, he always is a slow starter. Um, we're approaching now towards the end of September. 
not a goal to his name. What's the future? What's the season going to hold for Harry Kane, Rich? Will he come good? I mean, you look at that goals he scores. I mean, there's loads of comments saying how disinterested he is. Can you sum up in 60 seconds where we are with Kane and what the situation's going to be for the season? Yeah, I'll sum up Kane in 60 seconds and I'll sum up Delhi and I'll sum, uh, I'll sum up Undembele, right? If you want to go and make omelettes, break eggs. So get Kane in, get Undembele in, get Delhi in and say to them, right, you three, you have got absolute talent hanging out your ass, right? So go and show me it. If you don't, see you later. It's as simple as that. That that's where we should be as a club now. So if Kane Kane couldn't go, he wanted to go. Right? The, the facts are that is whatever happened in his yeah. negotiations. Right. If, if City paid the money, be a City player. Yes. Let's have it right. Yeah, exactly. If City paid the money, he's gone. Yeah. So they didn't pay the money. So suck it up, Buttercup, and you're here. Play. It's as simple as that. If you don't. Drop him. Same as on Dembele. You've got talent hanging out your backside. Yeah. Go and show us it. If you don't, see you later. Delhi, <laughs> you're the same. Talent. If you're not showing us, see you later. Get mm-hmm. somebody in that will. Oh, there's too much pussyfooting round with, with these players at the moment. Oh, but like, you know, maybe if we put an arm round him and da 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 da. Forget it, Rick. Like it's sticks and carrots, isn't it? How much carrot have we shown them on a stick? All right, a lot of carrots. There's a lot of carrots there. Too much carrot. So I think it's time to, with a few of these players, to go. Do you know what? I've given you the carrot, and you're not having the carrot. So here's the stick. How about this? And I think if you're that ruthless, I, I think that's where you need to be as a club. You mm. just need to start being ruthless. Do you think Fergie would have put up with this off of them oh, three? Can you imagine Fergie with Kane after five no, games? No yeah, exactly. Do you think Bill Nick would have put up with this off mm. of them? Yeah. It just wouldn't have happened. Like, you know, you can name so many managers down years. Cluffy. Cluffy wouldn't have had, a, had it. Uh, mm. Paisley wouldn't have had it at Liverpool. So I think it's just time as a club to start going into some of these players and going, listen, you go and show me what you can do because I'm not having this anymore off of you. And if you don't see you later, see you later. Do you know what's funny though? We know when Richard's going, you know, just drop him. We've got the other strikers. Oh, no. Bless him. Dane Scarlett. But but Sonny wants to play. Yeah, but and, and, and when yeah. Kane's been out of the team, Sonny done very yeah, well. You know we a very fluid side. You know I said this all along. You're, you're spot on. I think what you're saying, though, Rich, I think you said before, you're right what you said before, Rich. You know, as a side now, I think we are more worried when Son's not in the team than Kane. And that just tells yeah. you how much Son yeah. now has exactly. stepped up. And um, you know what? I know Son, to be fair to him, and we're, we're going to be honest, we always try to be honest in the show. He did little else in the second half than anybody else. You know, he looked like a man that was coming back from his injury. Barely touched the ball as the game wore on. Hopefully, I'll say he's going to be okay. You know, a lot of these players coming off the back of fitness. Um, we score Skippy, come on for a brief period, to be fair, to come on to give us a bit more energy. And, you know, mm. the building blocks, I think, are there to have yeah. a good season. But, you know, as we know, it's inconsistent. It is Rick, traditional. Right, mm. Listen, take take Winks, yeah? How much yeah. Winks stick does Winks get on social media? Winks is this, Winks is that. No, Winks isn't good enough. But I'll tell you what, when he comes on, 
he gives you everything he's got. It might not be enough, but he gives you it. So you need to turn around to Dembele and go, well, there's a boy giving us everything. It might not be enough. If you give us everything with your talent, which is like 10 times Winx's talent, you can win us games. You can affect us games. Yeah. And I would take the pain of dropping like an Undembele for somebody like Winx because he's giving you it. I just, yeah. I'll tell you what, it send a message to the rest of the team, wouldn't it? Send a message to me, I tell you. I don't think I could carry yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> send a message to the team. I'm not sure I could mentally carry on, but you know, you're right. It, you know what? All you ask from players, right, is to give us 100%. You know, and the, the exactly. thing is, as long as the players are giving everything, they're fighting for the shirt, that's all I can ask for. Guys, that is your, your Chelsea review done. If any of you are still standing, thank you so much. If we need the painkillers, we'll wear, prescribe them and send them out to you in the post. Thank you so much for bearing with us. It's, I think nearly over 300, 400 of you watching this live. So um, if you are watching us live, I hope you are okay mentally. Uh, it's been a tough, tough evening to have to do this. But um, after the game, Nuno said, we have to find solutions. Since the beginning, this is our focus to find players to perform and the partnerships. I honestly believe the first half was really good. The attitude, the energy, the spirit. If there's one positive to take, it's that in terms of why it went wrong in the second half, he said a lot of things starting from the way we conceded. It was disappointing to, to a set piece. And after that, it became really hard to get back into the game. Nuno says, I think the change of the game, of course, was a set piece. After that, it became really hard for us to get back into it. We started chasing a result. And with the quality of players Chelsea have, they create problems, straight balls running in behind. So there you go. It's um, tough. But uh, we haven't got long to wait for another game. So for our listeners that are on audio, we are going to go for our final break of the show, taking you into this break. We've got two great uh, podcasters that have come on very kindly from Wolves to give us their thoughts ahead of the Nuno Espirito derby. I think that's called now number two. God, only five games in. But how many derbies you had so far this season? <laughs> well, not every game's a derby with Tottenham. Um, but like I say, for our listeners, um, we're going to go for that final break. Phoenix 51 is a powerful employee technology enabling organizations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people, enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions, but also how to benchmark, train and retain them. Phoenix 51 powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey hey folks it's dave from talking wolves just giving my thoughts ahead of the carabao cup tie between wolves and tottenham at molyneux this week uh, to see spurs uh, once again and we can't keep nuno away by the looks of things obviously having you guys really on uh, early on in the season and then playing you again uh, this week in the cup so yeah, it, it, it's a game that I am looking forward to. I think, you know, Wolves fans, um, you know, we had a cup run a few years ago in the FA Cup where we, we got into the semi-final and unfortunately lost out. But Nuno with Wolves never really took, especially the League Cup, too seriously. And I think there is a lot of Wolves fans hoping that Bruno Large can can take it a bit more seriously, play some stronger lineups, and I think we have to really because um, you know our, even our second string team, in, in my opinion, is quite strong, and our under twenty threes isn't strong enough to to be brought into the side. So I think we will still have a strong team against Spurs. And look, our our performance this weekend um, was not good. 
We lost out two goals to nil to Brentford and by far our worst performance of the season. Really, really disappointing. Didn't turn up, didn't get going at all. Defensively, we were poor going forward. We didn't have a shot on target, which is just so... So unlike us, especially when you look at the stats from the first few games, you know, you guys would have seen uh, Molyneux, the amount of shots and the amount of times we were peppering that goal. Um, but yeah, just 11 shots yesterday with zero on target against Brentford, who uh, did everything they could. They mastered the dark arts, the time wasting, some of the stuff they were doing I've never seen any team do before. So it was it was frustrating all, all around, a really, really frustrating afternoon for Wolves. But of course, you know, we, we focus now on the... Um, Carabao Cup on Wednesday and I, I think it's a good excuse or a good time almost for for this game to come and just take Wolves' minds off the league and, uh, you know, get 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 our teeth into a cup match that, fingers crossed, uh, we could take a little bit more seriously and try and advance into the next round of the cup. Um, I am going to be intrigued to see how Nuno lines up. I know with some of the Europa Conference games and the cup games so far, he's sort of rotated. There have been some weaker teams, some pretty sort of strong teams as well. Uh, but for Wolves, I will be intrigued to see if Bruno Large sticks with the five at the back, which we have seen him play every game so far this season, even in our cup win over Nottingham Forest in the last round. Um, but does that poor performance against Brentford on Saturday mean we could see a formation change? So we may well see a four at the back, probably almost like a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 for Wolves tomorrow, uh, on Wednesday, sorry. Um so if if I had to predict a lineup, I think it would be our backup goalkeeper John Ruddy in goal. If we go with five at the back, I'd say it would be um, Ryan Eight Nori at left wing back, Kiana Hoover at right wing back, and then a back three of Connor Cody in the middle, Willie Bolly, and Jason Mascara. I'd assume the middle two would be João Martinho or Neves uh, alongside Leander Dendonka, and the front three I think will be Juan Hee Chan, Daniel Pedent, and Fabio Silva. Um, however, if he does go with a four-two-three-one, I could maybe see someone like Adama Traore playing, coming in, maybe Cody out and Adama in. So a front four of Adama, Huang, Pedence, and Fabio Silva. Um, I think you know we still saw. Uh, I think Francisco Trincao played uh, last time for Wolves in the game, so we still played a strong team. And I still feel, although it's a rotated side for Wolves, that is a strong team and more than strong enough. Unless Spurs go full strength, which which I don't think they will, but unless Spurs go full strength, I think that team is more than good enough for Wolves to advance into the next round. Um, but I, we've just got to hope we can sort of uh, pick ourselves back up because Saturday was really, really disappointing. Um, everyone came left left Molyneux with a um, with an upset face. Really, I remember just looking round. There wasn't there wasn't a smile around me whatsoever. It was really disappointing. But fingers crossed, we can get a win. If I've got to drop a prediction, I'll say Wolves 2, Tottenham 1. Best of luck, guys. Cheers. Hi, guys. Stu from the Fancast again here. I think this game is going to be slightly different to the one from that we previewed a, a few weeks ago, judging by our last few performances. I mean, ours against Brentford at the weekend was atrocious, to be honest, from start to finish. Yeah, we can learn about refereeing decisions and their time-wasting tactics, blah, 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 but... We had 10 shots, none on target, none of them really you could say apart from Raul's header which he subsequently took his um, safety protection band off and threw to the floor in frustration afterwards. There were no real clear-cut chances for the first time this season which is kind of worrying. Our defence has always been suspect anyway with Cody and Sace 
still mainstays of the team despite being signed as midfielders initially, but that's by the by. And Bruno Lage came out in the media and said that he wanted certain players. We didn't buy them for him. The board never sanctioned them, so we're left with what we've got. And I think for that reason, we might see a back four starting on Wednesday night. Maybe Bolly and uh, young Colombian Mosquera might come in. And I think you might see a Nuri at left back as well, just for, just to mix it up a bit, because however solid Marcel has been at left wing back, defensively he's sound, but going forward, and especially in how our team works, he can't cross the ball. <laughs> And he definitely can't shoot, so it's kind of detrimental to the side in being there, really. But yeah, I think if I was if I was guessing now, I'd say we'd play four, not necessarily a four four two, maybe a four four one one, and he might mix it up with because we got we now got Huang, He Chan, and South Korean on loan, um, so he might play. I think we might see him a bit more prudence as well, just to give Traore and Trinca a bit of a break, and. Raul is the enigma up front. Obviously, he's horrific head injury that he's still not got over, which it would be amazing if he did get over it. I mean, like I mentioned, his frustration was there for everyone to see after he missed that header. But I think we might see Fabio Silva feature more heavily than we would have done before. Um, but this has been recorded before your game against Chelsea, so I obviously don't know that result. But watching the game against Palace was exactly how things had started to go under Nuno for the last 18 months and I'm amazed he kept his job for as long as he did because I mean hopefully for you lot from your point of view I hope it was a blip but we've seen that so many times that it's I don't think it is uh, so I, I'd kind of expect him to go all out against us just to get one over us on us for some reason but yeah um, the other thing to obviously mention is Jimmy Greaves and I'm 37, so I didn't obviously didn't see him play. I only saw him on videos, and only really saw him when I was quite young, when he was on telly all the time. But even then, you could kind of tell what kind of a guy he was, and obviously, he's football royalty, and he'd be missed. So uh, rest in peace, Jimmy Greaves, and enjoy the game, guys. Cheers. Here's a big week, guys, ahead. This final couple of minutes, we're going to wrap up here and just get your thoughts on Wolves. Um, I've heard a lot of people's thoughts on the League Cup this season. And for a club, I'm not going to remind them to even make them even more depressed. They haven't won a trophy for so long. For me, this is a really, really important game. So, um, Paul, I want to start with you. Just for you, the importance of the League Cup and also to set an ascendancy for a big week for the club. You know, Arsenal to come at the weekend. You do feel going into that game, just for the spirit and the confidence around the camp, we need a result, Paul. Is that where you see it or are you quite happy for him to field, you know, a makeshift 11? That means he does go stronger for Arsenal. I do think it's important, Rick, but I, I would I would play a very different side to today. I, I would I would try and uh, work on work on that same side for Arsenal next week, and I would use the squad. I think he has to use the squad. I think you know Tanganga comes back. I think um, Sanchez plays. I think Roden plays. Obviously, we need to have a look at another look at Galini. It was it was a bit of a concern to me, you know, the the, the early performances for him, particularly like second goal in uh, Rams. Sure Paul, you sure we need to have a look? <laughs> I, th I think we have to, we, you know, as you say, there's uncertainty over Hugo's future. Um, I agree that I think Hugo's been an outstanding goalie for us, and I hope he stays. But th at the moment, he's in the last year of his contract. He said that they're not, uh, they haven't offered him a new one. So if this guy is is the one that Paratici thinks is the possible successor, we need to see more of him. And Wolves, you know, they're a, they're a fervent crowd, aren't they? That would be a good test for him on uh, on Wednesday. So he has to play. 
you know, basically I'd play a very different side, but I, I do think it's important. But I, I think you just have to use your squad and you have to back your squad. Um, and um, hopefully Lucas and, uh, and and Bergvine are, are fit. Hopefully um, Sessegnon's fit. You know, I'd, I'd play all of them if they are. Um, and and, and, I, and I'd, I'd basically play a different side. I don't think it's in anybody's interest if, if Harry pl- keeps on playing. You know, we, we have these questions about Harry's attitude or he's traditionally a slow starter, isn't he? So it could be that. It could be that he just played so much football and it, it wasn't ideal that he played 53 minutes in France on Thursday. And it wouldn't be ideal if he played on Wednesday, really, with Arsenal in mind. But I think he has to, um, unless you're going to throw Scarlett in. You know, this again, this is the big problem for the window, yeah. isn't it? Not getting that second striker in. But yeah. I, I would play, I would use your squad. I would play a very different side to today. And I would, mm-hmm. I would keep all your best players for next Sunday. Rick, let's come around to you. How, how important, Rick, is that League Cup for you? When, when you look at the context of the season where I think realistically you look at top four, you look at where United have strength for now with Ronaldo going in there, obviously winning today. Uh, you look at Chelsea looking formidable now with Lukaku up top. City being City, they've got goals across the pitch. Liverpool with Klopp there, you'd probably argue they'll try and probably make top four, barring if the African Nations Cup derails their season. With Spurs pretty much kind of, you know... <laughs> Maybe looking at you know top you know top six top seven. I don't want to go too far down because I could really depress myself here. But you know for you league league cup wise, how important is that for you this season? And you know going into Arsenal, uh, does that also set a precedence where we do need to field quite a strong team if we can? I think we do. I think realistically, I think the top four is pretty much done in my opinion. So the the best we can hope for is fifth. Uh, you know, and that, well, that, I'm off. <laughs> you know, realistically, I think you, you look at those other sides; they're just way too strong. Um, I think that the good thing with the League Cup is we got to a final uh, last season and we'd have to win three games to get to it. So I think it's a sort of scenario mm-hmm. where, you know, bring in the fringe players. But I think there's got to be an element of, of strength there as well somewhere along the lines because yeah. Wolves will probably feel quite a strong side. They'll be mm-hmm. looking to, you know, win a trophy. Um, and I think that we've got to look, look at it as no different. I think... Silverware has, you know, eluded us for too many years now. So we'll take anything. <laughs> exactly, it's an opportunity that you know we, we've got to try and look at it and say, you know, we're in a bad run at this moment in time um, with the last three games, um, and you know, getting a win on, on, on in, in midweek is going to be crucial to us um, going going in into the next round of, of that competition. But again, <laughs> without contradicting what what I just said, we've then got Arsenal at the weekend, so it's that sort of like that balance really we've got to really make sure we get right that we're we're putting a decent side out to go and win the game midweek but at the same point we're not you know using too many of our main guys and uh burning them burning them out ready for the weekend yeah rich has come around to you finally on this before we take predictions and close the show rich what we're hoping for what we expecting on the back of i think what is going to be quite a testing week for the squad testing week for the manager i think it's fair to say this time next week there'll be a lot of different opinions that might be coming through than this week what do you think Go for every cup, Rick. You know, uh, you know that I work with the ex-players and do these legends nights. I've been lucky enough to do nights with Cliff Jones, Terry Dyson from the '61 double-winning side, right up to Ledley King, who won the League Cup in 2008. That's 47 years of spread, and everybody in between: the '81 side, the '82 side, the '84 side. Every player to a man says to me, when you win a cup, it drives you on to win more. That's what you in the game for, is to step up them steps and go and win cups. So, listen, don't, I just speak to them on stage. 
these are the men that went and done it from Cliff Jones to Ledley yeah. King and mm. everybody in between. And they've all said there is nothing, nothing like winning a cup. That's where it is. We'll go and win a cup. So if we, if it's the league cup, brilliant. If it's the FA cup, brilliant. If it's the Europa conference league, brilliant. Go and win cups because that's what defines your career. You go up them steps, you lift a cup, you get the medal done. The league's out of our uh, is out of our reach. Let, let's be honest. We we can't do the league. Are you joking, it, Rich? You want me? No, no, no. Listen, we we cannot do the league. It's just it's beyond us at the moment. But the League Cup, the FA Cup, and the Europa Conference League isn't beyond us. It's not beyond us. There's three chances of stepping up steps, going to lift a cup going to get a winner's medal around your neck. And all those players have said, that is what we got into the game for. That is what we want. So Wednesday, go and play your best team. Go and see if you can win a cup. Nothing, nothing feels like winning a cup, Rick. Nothing. I've been so lucky enough to see us win in 81, 82, 84, 91, and League Cup in 2008. It just nothing feels like it. Forget mm. finish, finishing fourth and oh, the Champions League and this and that. If you don't win it, forget it. Yeah, I'd rather win the Conference League than finish fourth and like and bumble along in the Champions League. Honestly, are you, are you sure? I'm telling you, absolutely. That that's just me. Maybe there's people there watching this going. Is that geezer on drugs or what? Like, I'm, I'm telling you. I was going to ask to see the proof of vaccine before this. Uh, <laughs> honestly, cups and winning cups means yeah. everything. If we make that Europa Conference final, yeah, tell me that's a, that's a terrible competition. I've just if you go on and win say, it. I've just someone to call me to say they're actually moving that final out to your back garden. Oh. <laughs> winning cups is everything. Honours. Yeah. Having some medals and yeah. trophies in the cabinet is yeah. everything. Is absolutely everything. Well, finishing fourth is great for the club. It's a great mm. big fat check that sits mm. in Levy's account. Oh, I don't care about that. What, what do you care about that? Twenty. I remember nineteen eighty-one and winning the FA Cup final. I don't. I remember that brilliantly. Mm. I don't remember like you know Levy's forty, fifty million pound checks. For, for bumbling along in the Champions League, forget it. So mm. cups are important. Go mm. out and do it Wednesday night, Spurs. Yeah, I think I a lot of people. You. Are, a lot of people suggesting Rich is alcohol related in terms of the Conference <laughs> League. We'll, we'll, we'll leave that to the uh, to the minds that be. Let's close the show, guys. Let's get the predictions in. Sort of put you through this. Uh, Rick, let's start with you. What are you expecting up at Wolves? Are we going into that Arsenal game on a high? Um, heart or head? What, what do you reckon? Uh, no, I think we are going into the game with high. I think um, we're going to put a well-balanced side out to try and go and win it and go for a cup. Um, I'm, I'm a you there, Rick. That was a good time. Well-balanced. I like the way you did yeah. that. What a well-balanced side. Um, no, and I think we're coming away with a win. Um, okay. Score? Don't know. Probably an, another 1-0. One 1-0. Nil. One nil. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're flying over here on the 1-0s. We love them. Uh, Paul, let's come round to you. Paul, you've been so optimistic tonight. It's actually been quite refreshing because um, on the back of what I came back to watch, you know, you just feel oh, so deflated, but it's been so lovely having you and Rick join us. Obviously, 
Rich just, I mean, that, that comment at the Europa Conference League, I, I'm going to have to read one and watch that again later, just to confirm he did say that. I mean, I will definitely be reminding Rich when I call him tomorrow morning from his uh, lovely pad there in Spain. But Paul, Paul Telby, <laughs> um, for you, what are you expecting going into Wolves? You know, yeah, prediction. I think we have to be realistic. We have to be positive. You know, that's, mm. that's, that's where the tone I've tried to have tonight. But uh, as regards Wednesday... Uh, we win on penalties when Triori blasts his his penalty into the into the upper tier. Galini <laughs> does a does a little dance on the line. That oh Triori blasts his penalty in the stand. We win on penalties. That that'll do it for me. Honestly, I can't take this. I tell you what, I tell you, where's this going to go? This show, right? Come on, Rich. I don't know what's I don't know what's coming now. I said this show's unpredictable, but I don't know where this is going. Rich, uh, what are you going for? Rick, I want to see us put our best eleven out on Wednesday. Always the next game's the most important. Go out there, put your best 11 out. If we put our best 11 out, we beat them. We beat them in normal time. We yeah. go through to the next round. So, uh, listen, if we put our best team out, I think we win that 1-2-0. or two nil. And finally, a question on the screen there from Jason. I know he's a massive fan of the show. Um, what's worse, Ricky and Paul, you can both answer this, watching Spurs... Or England's batting top order. Let's go with you well, first. Uh, he's, he's, he's batted in the top order, so he, he's well qualified to, uh, to talk about it. <laughs> Over to you, Rick. Over to you, Rick. No pressure. Can you ask that one very quickly? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watching Spurs isn't isn't great. Uh, I think I'll stick with Spurs. I've got I've got mates that. Uh, <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I don't blame you. Yeah. Oh dear, honestly, um, guys, thank you ever so much. Uh, very quickly, um, Rick. What's coming up? Much coming up? Tell us. Uh, training tomorrow um, and then my final game on starts on Tuesday. Okay. Uh, so it's my last game before I retire from from the uh, from the game. Uh, so it's going to be emotional, right? Yeah, be emotional. it could be. Yeah, I think it might be emotional. Um, so, yeah, but I've had, what, 21 great years. Um, yeah. And, and time to move on to... Yeah, something new and something different. And also, it will give me a lot more time to watch Spurs as well. So mm. I'm sure looking forward to that. I'm sure that's doing really well for you. How's that doing for you, all right? Yeah. <laughs> I might stay on, actually, if that's the case. I was about to say, you're pretty stuck for five years after this. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, thank you. Also, I've got to say, Rick, also, thank you so much for joining us. We'll definitely get you back on Friday season. An absolute pleasure. Paul, it's been a long time in waiting this debut. Thank you so much for bringing some optimism to the panel. I know it's not easy at the moment. It's testing times. But um, I think you've tried to keep us all sane, to be honest. So thank you ever so much. Well, I'm a I'm a press man. We we try and keep a happy disposition. You know, oh, we don't yeah. we don't like to criticise. You know, as Ricky knows, no, no. Ricky knows me. Yeah. I don't like to criticise. But um, no, all I just say is it, absolute pleasure to be on. Absolute pleasure oh, to meet you all. I listen every week. Thank you, you uh, for sticking with me when I've not been able to come on when I've been covering oh, the late England, England batting all the collapse or whatever yeah. it is. So, uh, yeah. um, and I just say to all the, the supporters, keep the faith. We've got to go through yeah. this painful period. But mm. with our stadium, with our training ground, with our with yeah. our club, we'll come through it. I'm sure we will. So I'm also, I'm also terrified to ask you, Paul, what's coming up next for you as a journal? You're going to tell me that the whole squad's disbanding and everyone's <laughs> going to do a runner. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm off to Liverpool tomorrow, actually, for the Are championship side in Lancashire against Hampshire at, uh, Ooh, at Liverpool okay. on Tuesday, which yeah. I've never been to. I've never I've never been to the Aigberth ground, Ricky. I don't know what that's like, but um, really um, good lunches. Good lunches. That's the last thing. Lunches, yeah. That's the last thing I need, a good lunch, um, to be fair. But so no, I'm, I'm off to that. Then, we, then we've got the Bob Willis Trophy final at Lords. I'm, I'm sorry I won't be at Ricky's final game. So he's been a, he's had a fantastic career. He really has. And um, I've, I've, I've followed it as a professionally and, and, and as a cricket fan. And, and 
many congratulations to him. A wonderful career. I hope he has a great um, farewell at the Oval this week. It is at the Oval, isn't it, this week? Yes, it is, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have, a, have a great one. Then we're just, the then we're just waiting to see whether we're, we go to Australia this winter, whether the Australian government will let us in. So fingers crossed on that one. Fingers crossed on that one. Rich, only right to close things with you. Rich, what's coming up? What's coming up in the diary? Please tell us, enlighten us well, very quickly. Firstly, let me, let me say that I am to cricket what I am to dieting, Ricky. <laughs> like, you know, it's, uh, I, I've, been to, I've been to one game and I thoroughly enjoyed it, as I said to Ricky off air before. before. I've, I've never really got involved with cricket. But listen, if you're a first-class sportsman and you do 21 years at the top of your game, wow, that is, I don't care if it's fencing, sumo wrestling, cricket, football, or like, you know, dart throwing, whatever it is. If you do do 21 years first class at the top of your game, that's something to be applauded. I don't understand the game, but I know that 21 years at the top, you've got to be pretty special. So, Ricky, well done, mate. That's, that's, that's spot on. Absolutely spot on. Um, for me, um, fundraiser in Dublin coming up in October for, for Jimmy Greaves, which was going to be for his, uh, for his healthcare, but obviously with today's sad news, that's different. So it's going to be a fundraiser for the, um, for the uh, Jimmy Greaves foundation. So more news on that to come. And then I'm back in the UK in November. I've got, uh, Worcester on November the 12th with Paul and Clive Allen doing an evening with them. The 13th in Dartford with Glenn Hoddle sold out. So unlucky if you've missed out and I'll see you in Dartford if you've been lucky enough to get a ticket. November the 18th uh, over in South West London with Matt Letizier doing an evening and then November the 19th with Ledley King again in South West, uh, West London. Sold out, sold out, night sold out. So uh, that's with, Led- uh, with Ledley, as I said. So, yeah, I'm back over in November. Back home, shorts on, sliders on, man <laughs> breasts out, back on the terrace and, uh, and, and catching some rays. So, yeah, yeah so that, that, that's me. Any chance you speak to Letizia to see if you can get him to come out of retirement for a couple of years, will you? Do, us a favor. <laughs> Do you know he actually signed for Spurs? Yeah, he I know. signed. He, yeah. he actually oh, signed a contract Spurs, for Spurs, Spurs, fan, Spurs fan and well. uh, his 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 mm. good lady wife at the time went. Well, I'm not living in London. Got it ripped up. He was coming to us. Yeah, my different. Oh man, <laughs> she's still trying to do it now. No. Yeah, well, listen, last week I had the last word on Southampton uh, oh, asked to uh, sign me up and I never went the other way. So, you know, it's just the say, They goes, contact you after this show. I don't blame you, Rich. Take the money and run. <laughs> but honestly, I've got to say, guys, we've been in the game for two hours here. It's been a very, very long show. So I want to say a massive thank you to my wonderful panel, Ricky Clark. Absolutely pleasure to have Rick's on, of course. The wonderful Paul Newman. Looking forward to have these guys back on. And Richard Cracknell, my God, the man that saved my bacon last season. Am I, am, I, am I getting it back now tenfold? I tell you, what have I got to come here? I could be under a lot of pressure come Wednesday night. But most importantly, for you guys that are watching us live, please keep safe, keep well, keep the faith, as Paul has been saying, continuously this evening. And as always, come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.